Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning. Welcome in. It is Ribs and BK with Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. You can get involved in the show. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. We would appreciate it if you get involved here on the open because Jamie wants to fight Mike Tyson. That's how we're opening things up today. I don't know if you guys have seen this. This is just dumb, Ribs. Okay, so yeah, (laughs) apparently I'm just trying to get my ass kicked is really what I'm trying to do here because the discussion the other day for anyone who wasn't listening was I just had had enough of watching Shaq pretend he's a UFC guy on his show and basically said I would fight Shaq tomorrow in the parking lot here. Doesn't scare me, doesn't worry me. Well, this has snowballed now, right? To where on your own accord, (laughs) nobody's forcing you to do any of this. It's not like we're telling you to tell us this stuff. Now, truth be told, I didn't say, "Hey, I'm lining up to fight Mike Tyson." I threw it out there last night. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you know, look at this." Now I got another guy that I'm going to fight. It was just because he was fighting Aussie rules football guys for like a million bucks, and I'm like, "Okay, if the payday's a million bucks, I'm fighting Tyson." Well, now he's actually like entertaining exhibition fights. Yeah, for $20 million. For the him. Count Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship president David Feldman said that he would guarantee a $20 million offer to Mike Tyson if he's willing to fight one of their current opponents that they have within the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. Now, I've never heard of the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, well, I but have. I feel like we could get Jamie involved. <laughs> I feel like this is something we could set up. Now, I think it's $20 million going to Tyson. Yeah, I'd have to. I don't ha- think you would get no, that yeah. money. I understand that because my name is Unless certainly... you win, in which case I'm assuming they would probably uh, be willing to give it to you. Even then, you'd have a winning purse, and they usually max that out at something substantially lower because they've already committed all that money to Jimmy, I'm the trying to name. get you more money, and you're telling me how you don't want it, basically. No, I'm not here. telling you I don't want it. I just don't want to lose this deal because you're getting a little greedy. Okay, oh. BK? But... If the price was right, like bare knuckle, though, here's the thing with Mike Tyson, okay? We've all seen the videos running around the last couple weeks of him, like, training. He looks awesome. He looks ridiculous. It looks like a pit bull that's grabbing onto someone and shaking them to death, and he's swinging those right hooks. Well, he will use his teeth. That's a good point. known for that. I do know that. So that's why, okay, so this is where my head goes with Mike Tyson, is my first call out of Shaq was, I'll fight him in the parking lot here at, like, barroom brawl rules, Okay. I'm not doing that with Tyson. I say, you might die if you do that with Tyson. Tyson will obviously bite my ear off, bite my nose off, choke me, probably headbutt me in the yeah. face. So That'd be homicide ribs. As weird as it is, I actually want rules to fight Tyson. Does I that make sense? I hope that you want rules. Now, I will say this. 
Jamie Rivers currently has some competition. Now, Tyson Fury is one of the most well-known fighters right now when it comes to boxing in the heavyweight division. And his father, not Tyson Fury, but Tyson Fury's father, John Fury, is also trying to get a fight in with Mike Tyson. Here's what he had to say the other day. Okay, he's like really Yikes. on board, this guy. All Yikes. Right? Like, I'm like a couple of glasses of wine in last night, and now I'll fight Tyson. You know, I want some rules in place. This guy's like, he doesn't even care. Now, I do value my life. Uh, Apparently, yeah. he doesn't. Well, no, I mean, you know, having flatlined once already in my life. What? Um, oh, yeah, there's a whole story there. You can read up on it. You're a Google guy. Check it out. Yeah, I, having, I, I know how to use the I Google. Th- I think I've heard this story yeah, too. So now I feel like I've been given a second chance with this life that I'm living right now. And you I, just want to destroy it immediately? I don't know if I want to donate it, you know? <laughs> like, man. Let me ask you this, Rivs. What would be the rules you would want in place that you feel would give you a legitimate chance with Tyson? Okay. There is no legitimate chance. Hold on. Time no, no, out no, before no, he no, gets no. going. Me, well, he thinks no. there is. Okay, wait. Yeah, there is. You just wait. Jamie. Okay, BK, you, you just me? wait. No, Jamie. no, no, no. We want to have that. We got to give people their money's worth here. Like, they definitely <laughs> want to see me get punched in the face. So we have to accommodate that. So the rules would be uh, I, that we don't require gloves. That's fine. I don't mind that. I, I don't mind that. Because you know what? Yeah, bare knuckles, fine with me. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want barroom tactic, meaning like he can't headbutt me, he can't kick me in the groin, he can't poke me in the eye, he can't bite my ear off. Right, Evander? <laughs> See, Holyfield knows. But then also the last one, the kicker, is it would be on skates. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. a good one. Okay. You thought I didn't have a chance, eh, Kyle? That's a good one. Ice. You thought I didn't have a chance. How long does he have to train? I don't care. Give him a lifetime to train. I think Tyson could figure it out. I no, think you go, no. Did you see him on one of those? Uh, what are those called? The uh, the remote control little wheelie things. He didn't know. You know what I'm talking about? What are those called? Where it's just the wheels and you kind of control yourself. Yeah. Why am I blanking on the name of those? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Whatever the those machine? are. Nah, like there's a, the, the video the went scooter. viral. The video went viral oh. where he was in his living room and he just completely ate it backwards. He's got no. Yeah. So okay. Put anything that other than man his feet. on skates and I'm all in. And no referees. I don't want refs. Because when Mike Tyson goes down to the ice, I'm not stopping for the fear that if he gets up, I could die. I think you give him a month, he's got it. No chance. Okay, I'll give him a year. I'm a fair guy. I'll give him a okay. year. If you give Mike Tyson a year to train on skates, he's going to figure it out, and he's still no going to kick your ass no on the chance. ice. He will get pulled off balance, and then it's game over. It's Mike Tyson, Dennis, man. Have you ever seen Bambi? You ever seen that movie, Bambi? I, I, this I is what aware. we're going to be dealing with. I, I know I'm 27 years old. I do know Bambi. What if, I do indeed. What if he's on skates and he just decides one Superman punch to your face and that's all he needs? I just got to make sure I can handle it. You know, now <laughs> you got to remember, his punch isn't going to carry the same weight because he's not used to shifting his weight properly on skates. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about a Segway? No, a hoverboard. Oh, the hoverboard. Thank okay. you. My dad Hang just texted me that. We're joined right now in the booth right. by the hey guys, voice of the blues, Chris I just got Kerber. out of the DMV. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Did that go okay for you? Actually, it went great. It went, it went, it went spectacular. This is the person we need the perspective from because Chris Kerber has seen Jamie Rivers fight before. Okay, so I'm talking about fighting Mike Tyson. Now, okay. all the rules were <laughs> okay. in place. Yeah. Naturally, that's and what you would do to open your show. The last rule I put in place would it, it would be on skates, and I'm sorry. 
I've se- I've seen lots of guys who think they're tough, like coming up through juniors and the minor leagues and this and that, and beer league hockey players. When they get on the ice with a former NHLer or a current NHLer and they get chucked around a little bit, they lose their footing, and it's a whole world they've never experienced. So on the premise of that, I'm fighting Mike Tyson. Okay, so I have... <laughs> I, I on that premise, I think you have a fighting chance. Yeah. Um, having said that, all he needs is to be able to brace for one punch. Yeah. That's what I'm and saying. so that would be the question: is can you get him off balance enough that he can't get the one punch in? Oh, curbs! Come on, you just shake a guy a little bit, give him a little push and pull. He's going to go, and his punch won't carry the same amount of force. Think about that. How much, so how much, much, how the... much less of his force? Would it take? Yeah, I don't do know, think? but you got to remember here. Not I'm getting. Much. I'm not doing this for free. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good text from the six one eight six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. Jamie, is there anybody that you wouldn't fight? Because if you're willing to fight Mike Tyson, I feel like it's basically like yeah, that's anybody it. that I put up there as a competitor, Jamie's in. Okay, Jamie's so willing. here's where you got to go with this. Here's where my mind goes. Because mine's it. like the opposite. Like if, I'm, I'm out. If I'm, I'm out. fighting you're Tyson, out on a wolf. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> if I'm fighting Tyson on skates, I'm in. If I'm fighting almost anybody who's not a professional f- uh, hockey player on skates, I'm all in. Now the one guy that I would never want to mess with, ever. And because I've seen his antics on the ice, and I've seen his antics off the ice. And that, my friend, is Mr. Tony Twist. I was thinking that was where you were going this with that. This guy can throw down, I mean, with shoes on or with skates on. I'm not winning that battle. Okay, I'm going to throw out just... Let me, all right, let me let me just throw out some other names, okay? Okay. Let's, let's level the playing field a little bit. Oh, I don't right. like that, though. I know, I know. Um, okay. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm throwing this guy out there because I know he can skate and he's a competitor like all hell. Chris Carpenter. Oh, I'm fighting him tomorrow. Okay, Carp, if you're listening, let's go. <laughs> Hollow him uh, out. Um, you'd have to catch Kerry Robinson. I think. Could you? I think could Kerry Robinson I've still been on the skate with Kerry? Would he I, outskate you? No. What about Ray, Ray Lewis? No. Ray, Ray Lewis on skates. To, uh, right the day after Carpenter, I'll fight him. <laughs> To, to Brandon, to Brandon's point, and I, again, I, I'm still starting to hear these takes, though. So, um, but but to Brandon's point, a Listen certain amount, a, of, a certain this... amount of time for an athlete could give them just enough to brace for it. So you'd have to limit their ability to train. Well, of course, I'm not giving them okay. ten years to do this. But also, you got to remember, knowing I'm that not I... sure I'd give Mike Tyson one year. I wouldn't give him six months. Uh, yeah, because think about what he's doing. He doesn't have to skate around. Someone's just got to teach him how to stay up. Yeah, yeah, but Curbs, to get a hold I'm of telling you, it's a whole other animal. Oh, I know. It's a I whole know. other animal. And now you got to remember, at the same time, I'm also going to be training, right? Like, I'm going to make sure that my core strength is better. I'm on my skates every day. I'm my edge work. I'm shifting my body around. I'm going to be wrestling with probably like any big NHLer that I can grab, and I'm going to do the you know the the grappling with them to make sure I'm ready to go. So at the same time, I'm trying to improve my game. So, you know, all's fair here. I think I think on skates, I think on skates, I got him. He's Jamie Rivers. He's Chris Kerber, voice of the blues, joining us in studio. Curves, thanks for coming in, man. Cheers, I'm Brandon boys. Kylie. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'd love to hear your take on the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. You got something, Jamie? No, we'll get it after the break. <laughs> Coming up next, apparently Jamie's got something for us. Plus, Major League Baseball starting to announce plans, not ideas. This is a good thing moving forward. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 
With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. That was Jeff Passan on ESPN earlier today. The plans are becoming a reality. The ideas that we've been talking about for so long are starting to form into plans as this is where we were always hoping we would ultimately get. Now, there's still some hurdles that Major League Baseball is going to have to clear, and the same thing exists for the NHL, for the NBA, for all of these sports. There's still hurdles that need to be cleared. But baseball is starting to come to some sort of an idea, some sort of a plan as to what it could look like. So MLB experts are beginning to offer a return-to-play proposal. This would include a spring training that could begin in mid-June, a season that would start as early as July. General managers and managers from at least a dozen teams around the league have now reached out to their players to suggest they ramp out to start baseball activities for that July 1st start time. Jamie, this is what we were talking about yesterday where we said, you know what? There's starting to become more optimism that this is not only going to happen, but going to happen maybe sooner than some people anticipated. And as I continue reading these, the only thing that I can think about is, Please don't let this get screwed up over money. Please don't try to battle over whether or not these salaries are going to get reduced by 60% or 40% or whatever the number is. Figure that out. Get this plan in place. And let's get back to some normalcy as quick as possible. So, yeah, the two things that concern me about this. So, well, actually, let's put an asterisk. Uh, the first one. Uh, the first one is health and safety Mm -hmm. okay so that's going to be the title of what i'm about to say because i don't want to be seem like i'm overlooking that i am not now my concerns under that umbrella is the money aspect will the players take less salary will they be willing to come back for less money will they restructure their contract or their deal for this year only that's going to be a tough one okay because i'm sure in some players minds this is the they should be getting more because it's like hazard pay. I'm going back to work and we don't have a clear cut idea of how this is going to work. We don't have a for sure that I'm not going to get sick. We don't have a for sure that I couldn't bring that home to my wife and kids or my dad or my mom. So I think that that's going to be a bit of a sticking point for sure. And then the second one is the available testing for these guys, right? Because I can't imagine that Major League Baseball would field two teams uh, in any given game, and then obviously all the teams, without having testing. So then what happens is that that whole concept goes to the top of the mountain, and now it's available for discussion. So, you know, our buddy Brian from Fenton, who's down at the end of the bar, who really couldn't care less about the Cardinals, kind of like you, Kylie, but really couldn't care less about the Cardinals. People are going to think you're serious when you say that. I'm not serious. He just loves the Royals. So, anyways. Rex Heldler coming up at noon. Yeah. Former Cardinals player. (laughs) But the guy at the end of the bar who really doesn't care about baseball, right? He likes it. It's okay. It's part of his, like, you know, in the background. But now why, you know, and his father or his nephew or his neighbor, somebody has been in the hospital because of COVID, and now he's going to be like, why are these guys getting tested? They're not going to care about the amount of money this brings to Major League Baseball. They're not going to care about revenue that it could create for the areas that these guys are playing in, what kind of jobs it could provide for lots of people. It's going to be a very much like why them, they're spoiled, they're millionaires, those owners are billionaires, and they're getting testing. So I think those are the two major hurdles you're going to see because otherwise I think the KBO is kind of putting a soft plan in place for Major League Baseball. They've done some things that I'm sure MLB will look at and go, I like this, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this. And at the end of it, they'll have their own 
set of rules, but at least there's a little bit of a blueprint out there. So for me, the players and the money that's left on the table, what are they going to say about it? And the availability of testing as far as in the public eye, what that's going to look like. So let me respond to both of those. First off, um, I think it is significant that it sounds like this is not going to be the Arizona plan. It is not going to be the Arizona and Florida plan. It's not even going to be the Arizona, Florida, and Texas plan that we've heard so much about. Based on our understanding of this and the reporting that we have available to us right now, it sounds like this is going to be, they're going to play in as many cities as they possibly can that they would typically play in. So the Cardinals, if possible, will play in St. Louis. The Brewers will play in Milwaukee and so on and so forth. I don't know what the case is going to be in California. I don't know what the case is going to be in New York. Those are going to be difficult cities to be able to open up in, but then you just got to find another host city for those teams. That's something Major League Baseball would obviously have to figure out. That's part of it. And the significance of that is that the players can now go home. They can see their families for the most part. Most of these teams are going to be able to be in the cities where yeah, they live. I don't live. think the general public care about that, though. Understood. Right? I'm, I'll get to the second point okay. here in a second. But that's that's a significant part for the players. Because I know a lot of them had come out publicly and said, I'm not spending four and a half months in a hotel where I can't see my family. Yeah, and every military husband and wife went, suck it up. <laughs> sure. But the players, nonetheless, had those concerns. The second part of it on the testing and about how the public would react to that. They can't. They can't worry about it. They just can't. I know it's going to be a bad PR it, but hit. It's going to be. It, it, listen, at the, at some point, you're going to be putting the ball back in the hands of the general population because they've got to tune in. They've got to want to watch. And what most you're of doing. them will. The ones that the ones that are so angry about this that they're not going to tune in were probably not the ones that were going to be watching in the first place. And right. listen, That's a good point. They're going to get a one. PR hit as a result of this. It's going to come. But that will happen whether it happens in June or July or August, September, October, whenever this happens. It does not appear that we're ever going to have enough testing for everybody to just at any time get a test. So if that's never going to be the case, Major League Baseball will always get hit with criticism if and when they decide to test all of their players. So if I'm the commissioner of baseball, I'm saying to myself, I can't worry about that. That uh, blowback, that brushback from the public can't be a reason why we don't get back on the field soon. Okay. I mean, look, you make good points with, with all of that. Um, it happens occasionally. It does. I'm actually, I feel like you kind of blacked out there. So <laughs> anyways, bringing you back to reality here. Uh, but listen, the testing is great and we can overlook that. But the biggest thing is what happens if a player gets COVID-19? It's now, the like question in, the, of the day. in the KBO, they're talking about, well, that team is three weeks they, or the league, sorry, shuts down for three weeks. How would you manage that as Major League Baseball? Like, you start up again, and then you're going to shut your league down again for three weeks? Like, this is kind of a really crazy roller coaster. Well, another thing you got to think of, too, is if you aren't doing the Arizona or the Florida idea, you are playing in each city, you got to take into consideration the quarantine rules that are in place, too, because if, if other teams are coming in, let's say the team that was just in, the Chicago Cubs, just played the, the three-game set against you, and then now you have the Cincinnati Reds coming into town. Well, are mm-hmm. we going to have to quarantine these guys for 14 days before they can take the field because they were just up against the another team and who's quarantine are you going to quarantine the training staff are you going to quarantine the bus drivers like you got all of these stipulations the other question that i have for major league baseball in terms of this return 
What about the prospects? What about minor league style of this? Because so apparently there is actually a little bit of an answer to this. Uh, multiple executives have suggested that as many as 50 players would be available for teams to use, and they'll have active rosters of up to 30 players for each game. So I'm guessing based on those numbers, there's not going to be a minor league season this year. Yeah, the expanded just, rosters is, yeah. So because those minor your, leagues drive off of ticket sales. They don't drive off of TV deals or anything like that. Right. So those, It's straight ticket sales yeah. and some advertising dollars, but it's usually local advertising. And just trying to keep the doors open. So that probably won't exist this year, and you'll have Dylan Carlson up. Like We, we don't have to have that conversation about Carlson well, yeah, at least anymore. Mo doesn't have to make that decision. Ooh, here we go. That's Dylan Carlson one. on the Major League roster. That's fantastic. I, I think to your question about what happens if a player ultimately gets it, Cross that bridge when we get there, man. I know that's not yeah, a plan. But that's but... not a very good plan, BK. Yeah, I don't like, think a league can on, have that plan. You're way too well thought out to be, okay, oh, well, I guess we'll just deal with it. You can't have that. It, you have to have something in place. My guess, based on the fact that they're going to push forward and do this, they would say to themselves, all right, test everybody that's been around them in the last two weeks and find out who else is positive. That's it. Like that. That might be okay, as but simple at least as that's a that's a plan. Yeah, it's maybe, not like grip and rip. And you then know? you you quarantine that guy for two weeks, and he has to be away from the team. And if that guy is Clayton Kershaw or Mike Trout or whoever, that sucks. It's really unfortunate. But if they were sick in a normal scenario, they would also have to go on the injured list, and you just kind of move forward from there. So what about the idea that's been floated around? And I don't know if it's really gotten any traction. But if there's a team, a player on a specific team that you know contracts the the virus then that team has to sit out two weeks, and they forfeit their games. The only way that that would have to happen, though, is if other guys were potentially positive for it. And if you can test that team, if you can test that team and you can find out if they were positive or not, you wouldn't have to quarantine the whole team. You could just give them the test. If they're all negative, then you can push forward with the team outside of that one player that tests positive for it. It's going to take a ton of testing. For these leagues to come back. It's going to end up with a PR hit as a result, like you said, Jamie. That's coming. That's coming for all of these leagues if and when they decide to return. But that's coming no matter what, whether people like it or not, and whether or not they return in July or in October. That's going to be something that they face. So there's a lot of pressure against these leagues, but there's also hundreds of million and in some cases billions of dollars on the line. So when that's on the line... You're going to find a way to ultimately make it through. He's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. That's Alex Ferrario. It is Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we didn't get to catch up with our guy Joey Vitale yet last week. we got to find out what's going on in that Vitale household right now. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. We're going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by our friend Joey Vitale. He's the Blues analyst for 101 ESPN. Joey, how you doing today, buddy? BK, you got to be the only guy in the world who's gotten a promotion in the last two weeks. <laughs> uh, you know, Joey. You know what? You're I'm right, gonna, Joey. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. You know, I'm just gonna say how it is these days. I don't care about anything anymore. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> Listen, um, the pandemic has been good to me. I got a uh, I got a check in the mail from the government when I still had a job, and then I got a promotion. So I'm I'm not going to pretend like this uh, this professionally has gone poorly for me. You are doing something right. You need to write. A, you need you need to start a blog right now about what you're doing. Well, see, here's what I did, Joey. I moved back to St. Louis for love, and then suddenly things started going well for oh, me. So I guess that must have been nice. It. Well, things started going well. I listened the other day. Things started going well until you basically 
shout it out to all of St. Louis if you're a Kansas City Royals fan. Okay. See, Joey? <laughs> Joey, exactly. Joey we, don't, we don't have to bring that up. Smart Joey Vitale's joining us here on 101 ESPN. We're just going to skim right past the comment that he just made here. Joey, what's the Vitale household look like right now? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. Listen, I, I don't know anything anymore. Like, my kids are supposed to be finishing their last day of school. They're, out, they're outside doing water balloons, and nothing's turned in. I don't know. I just It's one of those days. Hey, I will say, though, how about the invention of the water balloon? Do you guys see these water balloons? No. You, like, tie, you, like screw them on, and they're called, like, bunch of balloons, I think they're called. Yeah, yeah, That's and the like, water goes and, like, fills up, like, six balloons really? at a time. What? Oh, my. No, not six. Put like 20, like 20 at a time. They're all in these little tubes, and, yeah. they're, and they're, they, they get trapped by this rubber band. This guy deserves, like, a Nobel Peace Prize, or he deserves, like, a, he deserves the Medal of Honor or a Purple Heart or something. I mean, this is possibly the greatest invention in the past. I used to just spend hours and hours tying a balloon, and then my kid would just chuck it, and he's like, I need another one. I'd spend another 10 minutes tying another one, and he just chuck it, and another one. You can fill up these bunch of balloons, like, 20 at a time in, like, a cinch. Anyway, so they're outside doing that, and we're not homeschooling or doing anything else, and that's pretty much it over here. Joey, I actually uh, used to be that guy, too, where you're running these balloons under the faucet or you're out in the yard trying to get it to stretch out big enough over the hose, and then it's a disaster. I ended up with more water on me than anything else. And then, yeah, the kids would take the balloons, turn, look at everybody, and then fire one off Dad. And so not only was I the provider of the water balloon, I turned into the target as well. So, yeah, this is a great idea. It's no respect. That's the problem. Kids don't respect anything these days. You know, like, they just fill up 20 at a time. I feel like I need to put those away and say, no, you're going to tie one at a time. We're, we're going to learn how to, you're going to value. There's no way to value. You know what, you know what guys, it's my fault. It's my fault because I'm the idiot that bought the bunch of balloons. I should have just bought a box of regular balloons and let them just individually, like, just callous their fingers until they're about to bleed. Yeah, make all them these work balloons. for it. And then they have more respect. Make them work <laughs> for it, Joe. <laughs> we're talking with Joey Vitale here on 101 ESPN. All right, Joe, I want to bring you in on a conversation that we were having earlier because Jamie is just out here flailing in the wind right now with the pandemic, trying to fight everybody that's ever been a large human being. So the other day, he decided, you know what? I am going to call out Shaquille O'Neal. I think I could kick his butt in a UFC-style match. So we got that going on. And then today... He texts me this morning saying, you know what, this Mike Tyson guy, I see he's getting in shape. I see they're offering a million dollars to fight him. I'd do it. I'd go fight Mike Tyson. But then he put on a very interesting criteria <laughs> that would have to be a part of the fight. I want to get your uh, interest or your perspective on this. If Mike Tyson fought Jamie Rivers on ice, they were skating, mm-hmm. and Mike Tyson got, let's say, six months to train on the ice... Who would win that fight, in your opinion, Joey Vitale? The Red Dog, without question. That without boy, Joey. Question. If you put McGregor on the ice, I think I think you could take him beat. Well, he can't beat. Ice. He can't beat Mayweather in the ring, Joe. So that doesn't really matter. <laughs> Did he just say well, I could yeah. beat Floyd Mayweather yeah. on the ice? He's obviously yeah. been drinking. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of alcohol. No, hey, get this. So so Riv, so Ribs, he's got this switch. A lot of hockey players have the switch. You get punched I've in the head enough. And you're gonna. So we're playing a we're playing a charity game at McKendry College in Illinois. I don't even know where that is. It happened three two years ago. Do you remember the strips? I it's do. Yes, game. I do. You look so ashamed right now. 
We're playing a Division Three men's team for charity. I'm going to keep saying that word charity until I just drive this thing home. We are raising money. for I don't even know what we're raising money for, but it's for something good. So it's the Blues alumni versus D3 men's team. These kids are, like, playing against, you know, uh, Cam Jansen and, you know, Pat Maroon or, you know, who Mike, Mike McKenna's in the net, whatever. Just, like, just old players in there. They're excited. In the third period, this one kid kind of rubs him off, ribs him off in, in, in the boards, like harmless. He turns around and whacks the guy. And <laughs> starts this, he starts this kind of brawl, and then Cam Jansen comes in and fights the guy. They're, bare knuckle, they're basically bare-knuckle fighting at a charity game, and it's become ribs. It's become ribs as that switch. So to answer your question, he could take Mike Tyson because there is something about a hockey player's switch, and when it goes off, look out. Jamie, uh, Jamie knows I don't have that switch though, because you had mentioned that you think that I can take Floyd Mayweather. Joey, I can assure you that that would not take place. You've seen me; we've met in person. I am a scrawny six-one dude that goes running from fun. Like I am not the guy that's going to be fighting Floyd Mayweather. My my point was with the skating is if you got decent balance on skates and you're going against someone who doesn't, okay. uh, and ribs, you know this. I mean, you can just ragdoll pretty much anyone. Is it? I mean. It's, it's hard enough fighting, but then trying doing it on an eighth of an inch of blade while on a two uh, inch and a half sheet of ice. I mean, it, there's some serious balance. I mean, look at a player like Ty Domi, or if you played against him, I mean, short little blockhead guy. He never got knocked down because he's just squatty. He had good knee bend, and he could control his skates. He understood edges and edge work, and that's why he was so effective, even though he was so much shorter than the Bob Probert of the world. Yeah, Ty Domi cut me open for four stitches under my eye. Uh, in Toronto, we were playing an exhibition game preseason, and he came storming into the front of the net, and I may have uh, on purpose cross-checked him in the face. And uh, apparently he didn't like that, Joey, and so he shed the mitts pretty quickly, which it's my fault. I should have knew. I should have known it was coming. And then I took a left right to the eye, and it cut me open. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Ty Domi's got pretty good balance, Joey. <laughs> Well, you know what? But you know what? You have a good name for that scar because, you know, all our scars, uh, you always want at least one scar to be like, oh, that's property of Zidane Ochara. Like, I have one over my lip. You guys ever probably know as you talk to me. My left side of my mouth has got a scar on my lip where my mouth doesn't open properly when I talk. It yeah. kind of looks like I'm being like a lazy talker. Yeah, I've noticed Ochara that. smoked me the puck. Oh, he did? Really? Oh, slap shot. Right in the jaw. I milked it so bad, too. I went down. The trainers came out. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget Brooks Orpik being right there. He's like, and all I said to him was like, Joe, get up. This is embarrassing. <laughs> literally, I'm leaking. Like, there's a pool of blood. My mouth's, like, gone. My lips cut. My teeth are gone. And he just goes, Joe, get up. This is embarrassing. So I got up and <laughs> I skated it off. Joe, how many times did a teammate tell you, get up, that's embarrassing in your career? I mean, I, I've never had a teammate not say that. I mean, and, that's, and, and, and that's the problem, guys. This is a problem. The problem is, another, another problem I have is, as you know, Ribs, you grow up around these animals your entire life, these cutthroat human beings that, like, if, if you have anything wrong with you, they just call you out, whether it's a haircut or a girlfriend, or it doesn't matter. They just dig. Like, every hockey player looks at another player and is like, where can I cut this guy the deepest? I'm going to go right there in front of everyone and just make this hilarious. And then the problem is, getting back to my problem, my problem is then we, we, we try to handle this life the same way. So when I retired from hockey, I really struggled making friends because I, I would just behave and talk the same way to people, and, and, you, and you can't say that. I had a buddy of mine 
who was uh, in, in like insurance and he was on all these billboards and he you know, went to our kid's school. And I said, I said, I was calling Billy. You know, hey, Billy. You, you, so I saw you in your billboard. He goes, you know, man, you got, you got, you got to fix those teeth though. If you're going to be on billboard, your teeth are all freaking crooked. Oh, my God. And he like, and you know, so he didn't talk to me for three weeks. And so he goes, oh, yeah, I, think, I think you need to call him. I go, why? He goes, you said his teeth were crooked. I go, well, I was just joking around. She goes, I know you can't say that though. I go, what do you mean you can't say that? She said, you can't say that to people. I go, but I say it all the time. Like, you're not talking to hockey players anymore. And then, and then you deal with your wife, and then you tell your wife, like, if she's struggling with something, you just pretty much flat out say, well, this is the reason why you're struggling, fix it. And then she kind of looks at you like, you insensitive little jerk. You know? but, <laughs> but, but listen, that's just, the way, that's just the way it is. This is the reason why I struggle working with Joe Vitale and Chris Kerber in a broadcast booth. I'm not used to this. It's hard. Yes. You get back into general population. <laughs> it's like being released, right? And you're, you're thrown back into general population. And it's like a weekly meeting with HR because, you know, you've hurt somebody's feelings with either the truth or you're just ripping them a little bit because they did something funny. And, and Joey had the same problem with, with my wife, too. She, at one point, stopped and, like, visibly like not happy looked at me and she said you realize this is your house not a locker room right and i was like uh i did not but now i do honey thank you thank you for letting me live you're right i am wrong yeah joey last question for you are we gonna play hockey here pretty soon absolutely boys we're gonna do it listen i've uh, i've been kind of keeping in touch with some players around uh the league current players right now and and for me, I don't know exact dates, but they're starting to work on getting players at least back to these cities. They're, they're going to start traveling these players back, crossing borders. It could be a two-week quarantine process once they get them through the country. So they're, they're in the process of that, knowing that they may need to sit for two weeks. If they want to get this thing going, hopefully get groups together in late May, they need to get players back now to kind of sort, some, sort through the issues that they're going to run into uh, beforehand. So I think if you get players back pretty soon, uh, by the end of May, I'm assuming the health of the world and is still going in a good direction. I think players are going to start slowly getting together around end of May. Uh, I've heard a three-week camp that could be in your club city. It could be in a neutral city, depending on um, how they decide to do that. But a three-week camp, which I thought was a little bit long, but that's kind of what the proposal looks like or seems to be right now. Uh, Gary Batman, listen, he's He's gung-ho about finishing this regular season. Uh, there's good, there's bad to it. So do you have a two-week finish the season off before you head into the playoffs? It, it's a bit of a bugaboo for teams like Detroit or teams way out of it like the Ottawa Senators because, what, are you going to get together, go to a camp, go through all the risks just for four or five, six games, then go back home and then sit on your butt till November? I mean, again, that's, that, that, that to me is a little bit, little bit uh, kind of up in the air. But, you know, a three-week camp after the team gets together, a couple weeks of regular season, then just jump right into playoffs. A lot, can, lot still needs to be sorted out, but I think as far as the wheels turning, uh, it seems to me that the wheels are moving in the direction right now for, for players to make travel arrangements to get back to their club city. And to me, that's got to be step number one, and, and it looks like uh, we're, on, we're on the road to that. Joey, we're looking forward to it. We can't wait to hear you back on the broadcast. He's the Blues Analyst for 101 ESPN, and we always enjoy having him here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll talk with you again next week. All right, Joey? Thanks, boys. You guys are doing a great job. Love listening. We appreciate it, man. That's Joey Vitale joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. 
101 ESPN presents Play Gloria, the Blues run to the cup every Thursday and Friday night. Hey, that's tonight. Hear the replay of two classic games from the Blues 2019 historic run to the cup. You relive each game with added insight and behind the scenes commentary from Chris Kerber. Tonight is going to be Blues versus Stars Game 7, the double overtime winner. That is coming up tonight. We will have some commentary on that coming up shortly here on Ribs and BK. And tomorrow night, Blues versus Sharks Game 2. Pre-game starts at 6, play-by-play at 7, Play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues Run to the Cup is brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Coming up next, it's time for questions and answers. Get yours in on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text sign for questions and answers. All right, Jamie, I've got a sports return calendar in front of me right now. Oh, boy. May 5th, of course, was the Korea baseball organization. Korean baseball is officially back. On May 9th, we're getting the UFC back. On May 16th, we've got German soccer on May 17th, we've got NASCAR. June 6th is IndyCar Racing. And on June 11th, we've got the PGA Tour. And Australian Football League is coming back, baby. About time. Of those, which would you be the most likely to actually watch? UFC. Definitely UFC. Um, you know, I'm a big UFC fan. And I've been jonesing a little bit for that. Obviously, I'm out here calling out Shaq and Tyson. Something's wrong. Is that what's going on? I don't know. You know, I'm not sure. I'm trying to self-evaluate all at the same time, which is difficult because if something is going wrong in my head and I'm self-evaluating, is it actually a proper evaluation to be determined? (laughs) But yes, I'm looking forward to the UFC coming back. And then obviously from there, work your way down. I'm happy to see anything come back at this point. Heck, I'm excited to see Korean baseball. I don't even have know you anything that's anything going on. Yet? I watched little bits of it. Like not like full don't games. Lie to me. No, I have. Don't, have you really? I have. I watched a little bit of it. I I'm not like dedicated like sitting there like trying to learn who the players are. I watched it just sure. to see what it looked like. I feel a little bit like Stoltz in this case of yeah, I'm learning what I'm desperate enough to watch. It's I'm learning baseball. right now. How is it like, like, we're not talking about like when we were what what was it? We talk with stuff. Oh, horse, right? NBA horse. He's like, yeah. I'm not that. De- this isn't like horse. This is actual baseball. I have no skin in the game, though. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, I just can't bring myself to become interested okay, in it. Okay, so let's call I one of the to. teams the Royals. Well, now I'm in. The Korean Royals. There we go. I Are you in now? I don't know any of the players. I don't know anything about the league. And for whatever reason, I just can't find myself being interested in it. I, I can't get there. I want to. I want to want to watch it. Yeah. I want to want to watch it. We got there eventually. Yeah. But I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's just not for me. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Hey Jamie, did you see this thing about Antonio Brown potentially being a possibility for the Ravens? Do you think that would be a good idea for Baltimore? Oh God, right? This is such a tough one because football-wise, you're like it's a no-brainer. Imagine giving. Lamar Jackson, Antonio Brown, and imagine putting that player in that lineup. I mean, quite honestly, it would be incredible. Now, pause two, three. What about the the fact that he's got all these allegations against him? And I don't know where all that stands legally. I don't know if he's cleaned up some of that because you know how that works. Front page gets all of the the allegations, and then when it gets figured out, 
it gets buried somewhere in the middle or the back. And so I don't know where he's at on all that. I do know he's had a couple of meltdowns on social media, and he's done some weird, awkward things, including what recording his coach, talking to him. Like, there are a lot of not even, like, yellow lights in this one. There's some flashing red lights with Antonio Brown, and I just don't know if that helps the team win enough or does it like totally dismantle this team and they start to hate him and he's fighting and you know like I just don't know if the risk is worth the reward I think if you are comfortable with the stuff that happened last year that got him kicked off the Patriots if you're comfortable with that now looking back on it I don't think anybody's comfortable with maybe not you know what I mean when I say comfortable I mean like you're you're willing to overlook it basically If you're there and you're a good team, I can see bringing him in. So for the Ravens, it's different than the Raiders, who were going to win four, five, six games last year no matter what. They just weren't a good enough team to be able to repeat. If you're on the Ravens, maybe I'm wrong here. I'm projecting, obviously. But I would think Antonio Brown would be on whatever Antonio Brown's best behavior looks like. I think that would exist with the Ravens because they Ugh. have a chance to really win at a high level. I don't know. He's that being such said, a though, loose he, cannon. He did dude. it last year with the Patriots. He did it with the Patriots, and he, you know, Tom Brady had him living in his house and was taking care of him. And actually, he, he didn't have too much of a blow up with the Patriots. It's stuff it the before off-field the off uh, off field stuff before he got to the Patriots was, which is what ultimately ruined his time with the Patriots, but here's where I would have to be if I'm the GM or the head coach or the owner of the Ravens. I would need a breakdown of where everything sits with all the allegations. And if some of it has been cleared up, some of it was alleged and maybe he didn't do it, and then some of it that maybe he did do, now I have to evaluate. Do I want my team involved with an individual like this is this what i want to market for my team if through the process of lawyers and stuff if almost all of it is gone and it's been disproven or whatever yada 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 then yeah i'm like okay you know what i I think i'm okay with this but if any of the stuff is true and it's still ongoing man bk i don't want the headache i think i would pass but man that talent is I tantalizing. I get why a team would be potentially interested in him. Final thing here, questions and answers, 65780 Air Comfort Service text line. Jamie, are you at all interested in what we're going to see tonight with the NFL's schedule release? NFL Network's doing a three-hour special on the NFL releasing its schedule tonight. Yeah, okay, so you know how Stoltz couldn't get there for NBA horse and you can't get there for KBL? My TV will not even touch the NFL Network channel tonight. I could care less about their scheduling. Honestly, I really couldn't give a rat's you-know-what. Like, just tell me when the games are going to be on and I'll watch. I don't, three hours? What are they trying to do here? They are bleeding this stuff dry. They're trying to win a news cycle the thing that's funny about the NFL is we know who these teams are going to be playing. Like, I could tell you right now, any given team, what their schedule is going to be. I just can't tell you specifically when the games will be played. But we know every team's opponent. We just don't know when they're going to be played in terms of the actual date and which games are going to be on primetime. There's a few games that I care about. I care about what the opening night's going to be, what that actual, the first game that we see, that's always a fun time for the NFL to see whoever the defending champion is, in this case, obviously the Chiefs, and who they're going to play on that Thursday night to open up the season as they raise the banner. That's fun. And then seeing some of what the 
Patriots, or excuse me, the Buccaneers games that are going to be on Monday night and Sunday night. I'm interested to see what the Buccaneers primetime games are going to be because that's going to be the team that the NFL is going to try to impress upon us all year. Yeah, but I can find out tomorrow. It's fair. I'm fine with it. Like, I can pick, I can click on, I was going to say pick up a newspaper. Come on, Jamie. Nobody picks up newspapers anymore. But I can click on that story tomorrow and find out everything you just asked. He's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Hubbard Radio's Deserving Deliveries. We are saying thank you to those helping the care care for our community. Today's very deserving delivery is going to the great folks working at St. Joseph Hospital. Their awesome staff is going to be enjoying 100 meals today delivered by Salty's Fresh Mix. Those meals are courtesy of Hubbard St. Louis and our good friends at CarShield. Thank you to CarShield for making this possible. Our continued gratitude to all those folks working in our medical community on the front lines from our station and the entire Hubbard St. Louis radio family. Coming up next, one of my favorite people in the world to talk to, Rex Hudler. I want to know what his family life is like right now at home during this quarantine. And it's probably been 40 years since Rex Hudler has gone this long without watching baseball. What's that like for HUD? We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Jamie, I've been looking forward to this conversation all day long. We're going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by our friend Rex Hudler. He played for the Cardinals from 90 to 92. He is now the TV color commentary for the Royals. Hud, how you doing today, man? Oh, Brandon, are you kidding, man? Nice introduction. You make me feel special and really... I'm no like any. I'm just like anybody else, man. Just, just uh, happy. I got uh, four people that I've been um, hanging out with for the last two months. My three boys that are here, they're teenagers, and my wife, and they still love me. Hud, I gotta, I gotta ask because I can't imagine what the Hudler household is like right now. What, what have you guys been doing to pass the time during this quarantine? You know. This is time I'll never get back, guys, because for the last 40 years, God has blessed me to be in the grand game of baseball as a player and a broadcaster, and I'm gone this time of year, always. I mean, um, being home for Easter, being home for all these holidays, Mother's Day coming up, watching the leaves turn myself instead of coming home from a 10-day road trip and, 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 and everything's changed. You're like, wow, look what happened. Man, turn spring on. Now I'm watching it every single day and trying to uh, re- uh, think about and dwell on positives, not negatives. Um, for a while, m- my wife Jennifer wanted to watch the news every day, all day. And I just go, honey, you know what? Let's, let's get a little dose in the morning, but let's just turn it off and let's continue to go about our day thinking about others, how we can help them. Uh, doing PSA reads for certain uh, charities in, in Kansas City has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, going down to my baseball room that, that my wife let me have uh, when we moved here, uh, and I unloaded all my baseball memorabilia, it's HUD's House of Baseball. So it's been really fun. I go down there, I make videos for fans and also videos for my social media and tell stories. And during this time, it's a storytelling time because people got more time on their hands. But in the meantime, you know, like most people, getting my house in order, uh, going through stuff in the basement that I could get rid of when we moved in here nine years ago. Uh, you know, little things to keep us busy. Uh, but I can't tell you the movies with my kids lasted about a month 
in the evening, every one of them got to pick out their own movie. We had fun, bonded as a family. Now it's kind of gone away a little bit, and uh, we're moving on to different things, games. Um, but we really have uh, appreciated the, 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 the slowdown in life and what comes with that, and that is family. Family time, I'm getting to know my kids. And my senior, William, got, got his senior year in baseball wiped out, his prom. You know, the, they went to spring break and never came back to school. So he's lost his senior year. So grieving with my son and, and being sensitive towards his needs has been uh, really a blessing. Um, to, to pour in totally to my family, that is way more important than baseball, playing or broadcasting it. Uh, so this is, to me, has been extremely valuable, and thankfully, we are not uh, affected and, or infected by the virus. We spend a lot of time on our hands and knees praying for those who battle it every single day, who go to work thinking, man, this could be my day, I get, caught, I get the virus. I mean, thinking of others is way more important than us, I'll tell you that. All right, Rex, you know what? I'm in a similar situation. I got four kids, and we've been in quarantine at home, and we've done some house cleanup, the basement, the garage, and even at one point ordered a new little desk for my daughter's room. Now, I got to ask you, okay, because I ask a lot of people this question. Are you the instructions guy? Because the way I do it is I rip the instructions out of the box. I take a look at the very first picture, the very last picture, and I try to navigate through it from there. But then I usually end up with like a couple screws, a little piece of wood here or something there that, you know, it's sitting there looks right, but I've got a couple of things left over. Are you that guy that has a few things left over or are you like instructions to the max? <laughs> I love that. It's so, it's so human. It's so natural to get stuff and put it together. And I, I've never been a handyman because I've always was busy during my young days playing ball and chasing after all kinds of balls out there, you know, footballs, basketballs, baseballs when I was young, and thankfully it paid off. But whenever we get a big package or a chair comes in or a desk, um, my boys now that are 17 and 18 years old are a big help. You know, we sit down, but it's family time. It's like putting a, a jigsaw puzzle together, uh, sitting down, making time with each other. We simply go through the directions, and if there's a problem, uh, then we, we figure it out. Uh, so to me, it's family time. That's what that's about. And then when you accomplish something like that, we usually, if there's a bolt or a, a washer missing, ah, no big deal. We put it in a little baggie and put it in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> and, and, we, and, and, and we just move forward. As long as it holds you up and as long as it works, we're game and we smile and give each other high fives. We're talking with Rex Hudler, formerly with the Cardinals from 90 to 92, now the TV color commentator for the Royals in Kansas City. Hud, I got to ask, because you were drafted in 1978. You've been playing baseball your entire life. This is probably the longest that you've gone without watching or playing baseball in some capacity, probably in the last, God, I, I would imagine 50 years. What's that been like for you to not have baseball every day in your life the way that you're kind of used to this time of year? Well, you know, if, if you're blessed to have been in the grand game as long as I have, it's like, wow, I got some free time because it's been a long time and I know how long the seasons can be. And so you just take it with a grain of salt. You hope that this change in our world that we've never been through before um, will, will allow us the grand game to come back gradually this summer. And, and that'll be good. If you told me today that they were going to cancel the baseball the rest of the season, wow, that, that would hurt. Um, not just for me personally going to the ballpark and, may, and, and thankfully making a living doing broadcasting, 
But thinking about players in my playing days, and that's my job now, is to explain to the, to the listener what a player goes through. That's why I have a color commentating job. And to miss service time as a player, and your lifespan as a player is really short. Major League Baseball average is just at four years in the big leagues if you're lucky to get there. But, but so these guys that are missing a whole year of their, of their careers is really, really devastating. But the, the, the saving grace is, is that, that they couldn't control this. Now, the last time I was out for any length of time was 1994, 95, we struck. Now, that's on us, the players. We are the ones who walked away. That disrupted baseball. We didn't have a World Series, and we didn't go back to work until the middle of May in 95. So this is the, the only thing that I can compare with it, but I can tell you that Major League Baseball uh, gave us two two and a half weeks to get ready before they started the season in 95, and that was plenty of time. So I would imagine if they if they can uh, think back and look at those days, that they'll probably use that as a gauge and, and, and move forward uh, with the players, letting them know, uh, giving them ample time to get ready, but they're all training right now. They're all doing their thing, so I would imagine that they'll be ready. But, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, it's a blessing now uh, to have this time during the spring um, and summer. And I do, I do miss going to the ballpark. I miss, the thing I miss the most, guys, are the fans, the people. Man, the people, that's what stirs me. That's what stirs our, our, our revenues that's what stirs baseball. That's what stirs everything is our fans. Now, the thought of going back and playing ball and broadcasting with no fans in the stands, that is really un- uh, unbelievable there. Uh, that's unheard of. So we'll wait and see. We'll continue to challenge what's ahead of us, the unknown, um, and trust the higher minds of the game. The higher minds of the game are paid and paid handsomely to make decisions that govern our game. So, look, we're going to keep our, our faith in those guys, uh, the commissioner, uh, and those people that are trying to figure out. They have so many things on their plate uh, to figure out, finances from umpires to players to people who work at stadiums, and they're doing a good job so far. But let's hold our breath and hope like heck that in another month or so we can get the word that we're going to be playing ball again. All right, Rex. Our, our good buddy Brandon here. He says he's not on board for this, but I, you, you being the baseball guy, I wanted to float it past you. I've taken a little bit of interest in the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization, and that's tr- tr- simply because well, there's nothing else going on, right? But now, based upon that. Do you think Major League Baseball is eyeballing what they're doing right now with no fans and some of the rules that they've implemented? Do they think they're going to try? Do you think that they might try to use that as a blueprint for their master plan headed forward? Oh, absolutely. Their eyes are open for, to everything. Everything that's going on in the world, everybody pays attention to. Let's see what they're doing. I mean, Sports are starting to get stimulated again. They're starting to feel, okay, maybe we can get the curve, lower the curve, whatever they call it. And you know what? By the way, when I hear that term, let's lower the curve, is that what the, is that what the term is? What's the term? Flatten the curve. Yeah, yep. flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. I'm like, you know what? As a player, I hated a curve. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Mike Boddicker. Mike Boddicker had a curveball that started in the sky and ended up in the ground, and it, it, it was unfair. And I remember I never saw nothing like that in the minor leagues. So I get to the big leagues, and I'm facing the Orioles, and this guy, this curveball, I'm like, oh, that ain't fair. Dwight Gooden had a hammer. It threw it about 87 miles an hour, and it was a curve, and that's the only curve I ever heard that I, that I could hear it. 
<laughs> you, know, you can see it, but but when it comes in and it's going, that's what the term comes. It has teeth on it, and believe me, uh, uh, no thank you to curves. But flatten this one. Let's do it. Rex, final question that I've got for you, my friend. What What is your favorite memory from being in St. Louis? You were here when it, it, it wasn't the same Cardinals team then that it has been for the last 20 years, but what, what was your favorite memory playing here in St. Louis? Oh, one of the greatest ever. Three years of playing in the heartland of America. Are you kidding? And, you know, thankfully I had great coaching and my parents were awesome when I was a young kid, so they taught me the importance of hustling and playing baseball. They told me, you didn't have to have any talent to hustle, son, and you ain't playing on my team if you don't hustle. So thankfully, God gave me the tools with speed. Uh, and, you know, Soccer was my sport, so I learned how to, how to be an athlete. And then, I'll tell you, uh, uh, moving forward, playing with several teams in the minors for 10 years, and playing for the Yankees and the Orioles and the Expos, you know, and I get to, I get traded. Whitey Herzog trades for me in April of '90, which uh, trade that early in the season in April never happens. But but Whitey was rebuilding, and they, he was just finishing uh, with the great run with Ozzy and Pendleton and Coleman and McGee and and all those great players that he had. And so he was kind of rebuilding then. And when I got there, I played the same brand of baseball, but the fans in St. Louis, man, they just embraced that. And they and the greatest compliment that was ever paid to me ever was by the great Hall of Famer Red Shandies, whom I got to sit on the bench with as I rode the pine for nine most, <laughs> most times because I was a utility player. So I would sit there and guess who I got to BS with every game. Red. That's when Red still dressed out with the team, and the stories that he would share with me give me goosebumps to this day. And Red said, "Kid, you'd have been great in my day, you know." And so when he come, when he told me I would have been a great player in his day, now I don't use the word "great" around me at all, especially when it comes to <laughs> baseball playing. But when Shane Dees told me that I would have been on that that Gas House gang, that I would have been a star player, that just fired me up. And largely, it was because of hustle something that a player can control you can only control two things that's your attitude and your output and if you control those and you have any talent you have a chance to stay and man did they make me feel good when i cracked my head open on the wall on the left field line uh, joe torrey came out on the field to get me off the field and he says hud come on you've got to go and i said joe i play once a week you play me once a week and frank viola's pitching he's a left hander and i'm wearing him out and you're going to take me out of this game he goes, Hud, you're bleeding. So, all right, all right, I'll go. So I'm walking off the field, and, and the crowd, the 40,000 at Bush Stadium, sees the blood pouring down my neck. They start cheering. And so how am I supposed to walk back to the dugout? I took off and jogged off the field, left Tory and Gene Gieselman, the trainer. I left them in the dust. And when I got to the dugout, the blood and, and the cut from my head was was just spurting, and my trainer says, "Hud, you idiot! When you have a brain, when you have something in your head that's cut open, when you when you run, the the blood it gushes the blood out." I said, "How am I supposed to do? The people out there just made me feel great, man. They gave me a standing O, and that, and that blood let it bore, man. I'm bleeding cardinal red tonight." That's awesome, Rex. I tell you what, the fans still love you. Our text line's kind of blowing up here, but I got to ask you one here. We got a texter from St. Louis says, please ask Rex about the time he ate a June bug in the dugout. Now, I got to know about this. 
Can you believe that they would remember that? <laughs> it became, and I never get tired of telling the story because it's a fun thing. It's a character thing. It's a morale booster, and that's all it was. And it turned into that because, and I had no idea it would. I'm sitting there on the steps of the dugout with a Cardinal uniform on in a day game, like a lot of people wish they could. And something hit me in the head. It felt like a peanut from the stands. I looked, took off my hat, and there was this beautiful bug. I'd never seen a bug as colorful in my life. And so I showed him to my guys uh, in the dugout. I showed it to him. I go, fellas, look at this bug. And they're going, ooh, ooh. And then Tom Pagnazzi said, eat it. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, uh, ooh, man, I'm not mentally prepared to do this. Uh, uh, okay, but it's a business proposition. I, I, I knew it could happen. All right, I'll eat it. How much you pay? How much you pay? And Pagnazzi goes, 10 bucks. I go, 10 bucks? Shake yourself. You're a big leaguer, man. That's embarrassing. What do you mean, 10 bucks? He goes, all right, 100. I go, now we're talking. I'm pointing to the next guy, Joe McGrain, 100. Frank DePino, 100. Lee Smith, 100. Uh, 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 a couple other guys, 100. Eight guys said that they would give me 100 bucks. And by what? the time I got to the end of the dugout, Whitey Herzog's looking at me, and, I'm, and, I, and I looked at him, and we're losing by seven runs to the Mets. And here I am, messing around, raising money for me. So I went back to the other end of the dugout, and so Pagnazzi goes, okay, hud, I got a stipulation. You got to chew him. You got to chew him up. And I said, okay, I got a stipulation. I'm not chewing Jack until I get the cash in my hand. And so they all got up in the middle of the game and went to their valuable boxes, and, and you know, he's back then. <laughs> Ball players carried C notes. So, so here they come back out. Hundred, hundred, eight guys slapped hundred dollar bills in my in my hand, and I look at that money and I put it in my pocket. Like, are you kidding? And in, in the meantime, that the bug never flew off my hat. Now, had he flown off, the bet's off. But I picked him up off my hat. I popped him in my mouth and chewed him, chewed him up. And, and when I when I got a few good chews in, I put him on my tongue. I opened my mouth and went ah. And I showed I showed my teammates the the chewed up June bug, and they freaked out. I mean, I wish I had a little. I wish we had remote, uh, cameras back then. You know, on our phones, it would have been great to get their responses because they freaked out. Now I'm getting ready to sit on the bench, and 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 I'm starting to uh, go. Okay, what's this bug going to taste like? <laughs> I. I chewed him, and I'm expecting some horrible taste, and I swallowed it, and I went, damn, that tasted like bacon. <laughs> That's the easiest money I ever made. Now, when I went home, okay, we ended up coming back, by the way. We, we, we scored eight runs, and we beat the Mets, so it became the rally bug. And now the game's over, and all the guys are walking past Jennifer, my wife, out there with the wife sit waiting for their husbands, and, and they were saying, don't kiss HUD. <laughs> but not kiss him. And so I get out there, and by the and by the time I got, she goes, "What did you do now?" And I said, "I ate a June bug." She goes, "What?" And I said, "Yeah." And I pulled out eight hundreds, eight hundreds, and she goes, "Oh, that's beautiful." And she snatched it out of my hands and went and bought a purse. <laughs> <laughs> Rex, you are the absolute best, my friend. We uh, we always enjoy having you on the show. Thanks so much for giving us so much of your time today. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, you, guys, you guys are pumping me and the fans in St. Louis. I can't wait to see you again this year. What a huge blessing you are and have been to me and my wife. Uh, making, you know, absolutely uh, making my dreams come true, being cheered by people who care, that are passionate, 
And so I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I had to play there. So, so guys, thanks for having me and let me tell stories. Absolutely. HUD, you're the best. All the best to you and your family. Stay safe, stay healthy out there. All right, man? man? Thanks, guys. Absolutely. That's Rex Hodler joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We went really long yeah. with that interview. Um, I, let's go ahead. Let's react to that real quick, and then we'll come back on the other side. We got something. To, Rex Hodler is unlike any human being I've ever met in my life. Everything you just heard is real. That's HUD. That's who he is. That's the real deal. He's that guy on the air and off the air. He has a heart of gold. He's one of the kindest, gentlest human beings you'll ever meet. And he's got stories for days, like eating June bugs on oh, in this the guy, dugout. I tell you what, I'd love to be sitting there sharing some beers with this guy and just... You know, kind of listening to stories, get him all fired up, put a quarter in, basically, and let him go. But, yeah, I had no idea. Somebody popped in on the text line. Like, you got to ask him about eating a Jumbo. I'm like, okay, that sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> Little did I know, like, it had an amazing story attached to it. So, HUD is the guy that made his way through baseball by just being fast and working his ass off. And that's still who he is today. He just works his ass off, and he's fun to be around. He's the the consummate glue guy, the guy that you want in your clubhouse because Everybody enjoys being around him. In a lot of ways, in, in some ways, actually, it reminds you a little bit of Dunk, where everybody just loves being around him because you end up smiling and laughing because you're around him. We appreciate Rex Hudler for joining us here today on Ribs and BK. Coming up on the other side, so there's something going on in the Earl Thomas household that we've just got to discuss. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. I can assure you that Earl Thomas was not saying this about a month ago. I can promise you that. So Earl Thomas is the Ravens' superstar safety, formerly with the Seahawks, part of that Legion of Boom, right? One of the best secondaries we've seen in recent memory. Well, early in the day yesterday... He posted what was kind of a strange message out on Instagram talking about, hey, you know, there's going to be a video that's coming out on TMZ. They're going to have something on me. I wanted to get ahead of that. Here's what Earl Thomas said early in the day yesterday. I mean, it's really not anybody's business. It's pissing me off that it got out, but it's the world we live in today. Instead of talking about us, just keep us in your prayers. And uh, stuff like this happens, bro. You know, I... We try to live the best lives we possibly can, but sometimes it don't go as planned. Uh, just pray for us, you know, as we go through this stuff. So I, I was assuming, you know, what's going on with Earl? Is something going on with his family? Like, is there is there something tragic that's going on here? What what would you assume based on, you know, at this point in time, the information that we had at hand? What what was going on in Earl Thomas? Okay, life? so first thought that comes to mind is that there's some kind of like sexual thing out there he there's video of him either sending something to somebody or him in an act with a certain individual and that has been leaked out that he's not proud of that's okay. my first thoughts so you're not totally off the rails there. you're not wrong not totally off the rails here here are some of the details that we eventually got this was about midnight last night that this came out On April 13th, Earl Thomas was in his hometown in Austin, Texas, when the cops were cold. Earl and his wife, Nina is her name, apparently got in an argument about Earl's drinking habits. I'm sure we've all had some of those of late. He was drinking earlier in that day. His brother picked him up. Later that day, when he was out with his brother, his wife, Nina, 
checked where he was by logging into his Snapchat account on her phone. So okay. she, he was able to check. She was able to check out. Okay, where's Earl right now? What's he she up to? She threw the locator on. She went on to Snapchat and she found a video of Earl with another woman. She then used the Snapchat location to track down where he was and realized he was at a local Airbnb. So that's when all hell broke loose. His wife then calls two other women. They're going to help her confront Earl. She also made sure to bring Earl's pistol with her so that way she could scare Earl while he was in this Airbnb. What could go wrong? (laughs) So... When she gets to the house eventually, it's her, her two friends, and, you know, she's got the pistol with her as well. Oh, this sounds like it's going to be really peaceful. She discovered Earl and his brother naked in the bed with other women. We don't know how many women, but we know it was multiple women, apparently. His wife pulled the gun out, put it to his head, again, to scare him. She has later said she made sure that the magazine was empty. She forgot, though, that there's one in the chamber oh, at all times. one in the chamber. Earl was finally able to wrestle the gun away from her. There is apparently video of all of this. Both parties have agreed upon what exactly happened there. Nobody was hurt, thank God, but the woman has since been arrested, and Earl Thomas has gotten basically a restraining order on her, and everything's okay as far as we know. But can we go back to listen to what Earl Thomas said earlier in the day? Because I want to revisit this now that we know what the story was real quick. I mean, it's really not anybody's business. It pisses me off that it got out, but it's the world we live in today. Instead of talking about us, just keep us in y'all prayers. And uh, stuff like this happens, bro. You know, we try to live the best lives we possibly can, but sometimes it don't go as planned. Uh, Just pray for us as we go through this stuff. Stuff like this happens? (laughs) For who? (laughs) It happens, man. I've never once had stuff like this happen. How many brothers do you have, Rivs? I got one. And would you end up naked in a bed with them? No. <laughs> no. I can honestly nothing. say, never once in my life have I been with my brother brother that I, I don't have. I don't have a brother. But been with a close friend, a brother, anything, with multiple women naked in the bed when my significant other walks in with a gun in her hand, pointing it at my head, and then I have to wrestle it away from her and then get a... Uh, Restraining order against my wife. Okay, so that's where the the story hits the speed bump for me. Yeah, the naked in bed with your brother. And okay, you know what? Teach their own. I'm not really going to judge. I really don't care about that. Okay. Sure. What I want to do is focus in on the incredible, incredible decision making of to call a couple friends yeah. to bring the pistol. Right? No, no. Hang on. Just to scare him. Okay, yeah, sounds like a great idea. Now, hey, sweetheart, while I scare him, can you please videotape this? Because I want to have proof that, you know, he's doing something wrong. Well, now you got a video that's out there of her waving a gun at him, and he's in bed naked with his brother and however many other participants yeah, are around. We don't know the answer We don't know the answer to that. They all set the over-under at, like, four, okay? <laughs> Seems about right. And... Now they got, you know, she's, oh, I took the magazine out, but yeah, clearly not aware that there's still one that's locked in the chamber. And you got to take that in consideration. Now you've got a wrestling match on video, <laughs> naked guy. Uh, yeah, the decision making through this entire thing, right from the first drink that Earl had, right to the last moment of the restraining order, this is all in question. I got to be honest, I can't wait for this video to be released. Oh, it's coming like, too. I can't, this is a Jerry Springer live moment on tape. And I cannot wait. Yeah, that's going to be interesting for sure. And I mean, a reminder wow. that all of this happened on April 13th, 
We were under quarantine at this point in time. And Earl's like, nah, you know what? Gotta get out there to the Airbnb. I also love maybe that they was- were Maybe they were tested beforehand. <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> Obviously, we've we've totally figured out here that decision, proper decision making, is not in any of their heads right no. now. No. Okay. Th- th- this is one of the most baffling stories that I have ever heard in my entire life. From Earl Thomas deciding I'm going to go down the street to have my my group, you know what, going on, to having his brother there with him to. His wife then determining, not only am I going to go there, but I'm going to bring two of my friends, and we're going to also bring my friend that happens to be Earl Thomas's pistol as well, up into the room. And then he, I don't know how he did it, but God bless him for it, thank God he did, being able to wrestle the gun away from her right away without her having to find out a different kind of way that the gun did have a bullet yeah. in the chamber. Holy cow. Crisis averted. Yeah. Crisis uh, averted. Now, who does he play for again? The Earl Thomas? Yeah. The Baltimore Ravens. Okay, that's what I thought you said. The Ravens and the Chiefs so have now, some issues going on this offseason. Okay, so now you want Antonio Brown to be this guy's teammate? <laughs> and if you missed it, we talked about that earlier in the show. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, would you take a chance on Antonio Brown? And uh, now we've got Earl Thomas, who's got all this going on. We know Antonio Brown. I just don't know if they're ready for any more excitement in Baltimore. I've changed my opinion on this. I, I now believe that maybe Antonio Brown doesn't need to be in that locker room suddenly. Can I ask you both this question? And I don't even know if either of you have ever heard of this song, but the first thing that came to mind when we started talking about this was a song from the Dixie Chicks. Do you know? Do either of you know which one I'm talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> I, You know what? I feel like that song should be the soundtrack in the background of the video whenever <laughs> yeah. it gets posted. Oh, or that's probably what the wife, Nina, was listening to as she was finding out. Her okay, she sees the snap. I feel like there's like a montage of this. And as she sees the Snapchat video, there's like suddenly overhead, you can hear this Dixie Chick song play of Earl's Gotta Die. That's perfect. That was a nice grab there, Ferrari. It's the first thing I thought of when we started talking about this. I'm like, oh, this is pl- fantastic. So with Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. He's Alex Ferrario. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We'll get into the junk drawer coming up here in just a few minutes. So Cam Newton, I don't believe he's had any of these kinds of offseason encounters, but he's had a difficult offseason nonetheless. Nobody seems to want to sign the guy. He's still out there on the free agent market. Some of that is due to the injuries. Some of it is because he wants to be a starter, and there are no starting jobs out there apparently right now. So Mike Florio was listening to the Dan Patrick show yesterday, and he came on and he said something interesting that I think I agree with. Here's what he had to say. Remember early in the year, Cam Newton was gone week two. Ben Roethlisberger was gone week two. Drew Brees was gone week two, although he came back. And I think for Cam Newton at this point, with all the seats taken, with the Patriots showing no inclination to try to add him to their depth chart, you just wait for someone to get hurt and you just assume that it'll happen. And if it doesn't, well, you keep waiting. But there isn't an opportunity out there for him. He's not going to take the Andy Dalton package of $3 million minimum plus the ability to make up to $7 million. He's just not going to do that. He's going to wait for someone to say, Cam, you are our guy. This seems like the best idea for him. 
eventually somebody's going to get hurt. We don't know who that guy is right now. Maybe it's Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, right? At God, knock on wood. Hopefully like, that's not the really case. Did you really just say that? He did have his kneecap on sideways last year midway through the season. So it's it's possible, you know, any of these guys could go down. And if and when that were to happen, these teams, especially the contenders, like imagine Baltimore. Mm-hmm. If Lamar Jackson ends up doing his running thing and he gets hurt in week nine, that's a championship contending team with the roster that they have. They're not going to want to just throw this season out to the wayside. Maybe they would then decide, you know what, let's go get Cam Newton because we need somebody that can come in here and give us the ability to still compete. Cam can do that. So if I'm Cam Newton at this point, given where we are in the offseason, it seems to me that Mike Florio's onto something here. The best shot for him is actually to sit out, wait, and see when your opportunity ultimately comes, probably this fall. Yeah, you know, it's a risky one, right? Because you're sitting there and then what if what if that call just doesn't come? What if that major injury that you're talking about, what if it doesn't really happen? Maybe there's an injury for a couple of weeks, but then the the quarterback is back in the the number 1 spot. I don't know. Um, you know, I still think that there's a spot for Cam Newton out there. I personally really liked your suggestion of the Steelers, and I know they may not have the room to bring in another I don't want to say number one, but a number one salary behind Ben Roethlisberger. But yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think he's had had a sit-up done in, I don't know, a decade, right? So this guy screams to me that he's going to be injured when all this happens. Like, out of training camp. He may not make it out of training camp. And if that's the case... You know, then to Mike Florio's point, then Cam Newton can swoop in there as a free agent and maybe sign a deal. So I like the landing spot for him potentially of going to Pittsburgh, but they've got to be willing to sign him. They've got to be willing to match those salary demands that whatever Rudolph, they better damn well be ready to (laughs) sign Cam Newton. In the worst case scenario, you, you brought up, what if nobody ends up getting hurt and there's not an opportunity for Cam? Well, then he set out the season. And if if the alternative uh, I is, I don't like that though. He's getting up there in years. I don't like that 30. strategy. Yeah, but you know what? Now he's been injured, and the only thing people remember then is he's getting older. He got injured, didn't play a full season. It uh, it starts to work against you big time. But you are able to kind of rehab for the entire season. It's the difference in terms of salary is minimal, right? For a guy that's made as much as Cam Newton has made, and I know this sounds kind of crazy to say, but one to three million dollars ain't changing much in Cam Newton's life. He's made two hundred million dollars in the NFL. That's not, not gonna change money, things for him. Brandon. I'm with you. That's what I'm saying. It's not about the salary because yes, that's not is. gonna change anything for him. <laughs> Unless he's able to get a starter salary, making $10, $15 million, that's different then. So if you're in Cam Newton's shoes and you can't get the salary right now, you're not going to get the starting job right now, go ahead and wait and find the backup job that ultimately becomes the starting job by mid-October, and that's the way to do it. If that doesn't come open, you wait until next offseason and hopefully you retry your luck. Okay, not that I'm comparing myself to Cam Newton in any shape, or form. Why would you? You've already said you could beat Mike Tyson. Well, I'm not worried about Cam Newton. But anyways, (laughs) back in my career, uh, there was a point after about year five in the NHL where I was unrestricted, free agent. And I had the option to sign in a couple of different different places on a two-way contract, which is basically a depth move, you know. And my agent gave me the advice to uh, to sit at home, to train, to skate, and wait because every year when the training camp starts, every team's going to win the Stanley Cup. They're all positive and everybody's healthy. And then about three weeks or four weeks later, they get into the season, injuries happen, the young guy's not doing what he should, the old guy's too old to play. They're looking to the bullpen then to sign somebody. And that's what happened. I ended up landing in Ottawa. 
that year, signed a two-year deal. We won the Eastern Conference. It was it was quite a ride. And not so. to throw water on the flame that you guys are talking about, but Pro Football Talk report Cam Newton open to a backup job. Oh, there you go. Well, then, uh, you know, this uh, last <laughs> okay, 14 minutes. minutes. Fun, there's boys. a difference of being open to a backup job and actually willing to take it. And willing to take a backup salary. Yeah. Taking a backup job is one thing. Taking a backup salary is a completely hey, different thing. I don't thing. see Cam Newton wanting to be backup to anybody. Hey, it could be worse. It could be Earl Thomas. It could be Earl Thomas. Earl's got to die. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. He's Alex Ferrario. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we are going to remember the Blues' double overtime win in Game 7 against the Stars. We want to hear your texts and your mic drops on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. What do you remember from that night? What is going to be your lasting memory of the Pat Maroon goal? Get those in the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. But coming up next, it's time for the Junk Drawer on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. It's time for the junk drawer. Ribs, what do you got for us to start things off today? Okay, so we got Ferrari ready to queue up some audio here, okay? And I believe it was, uh, let's see here, all quite a long time ago, but it was on this day that this audio actually happened. And in light of the Jordan documentary, okay. I thought this would be a great clip to start out with, and then we can react to it after. So, oh, Ferrari, when ready. Is. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, i supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. 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 We talking we're talking about, about practice. practice. Not a game. Not a, not not the no. game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. So that was Allen Iverson yep. in a press conference, and it was a very famous quote for him, and that happened on this day in history. Now, given that audio, how do you think Allen Iverson would have gotten along with Michael Jordan? Oh, my God. <laughs> It would have been brutal. Great question, by the way. Oh, my God. He would have got punched in the face. How many times, do you think? He, he couldn't have been on the team. My, Michael would have had him traded. There's no way that Allen Iverson would have been able to play alongside Michael Jordan. Like, the personality types were yeah. just so different. And the funny thing is, I bet you they would get along off of the court, but on the court, there's no way they could coexist there together. There was a TV show, which I'm sure you guys are both familiar of, Best Damn Sports Show, period. Yeah. They used to do like you know top pit, top videos. They had a, a list of top rants in pro sports, and there was fifty of them. That one was number two, which always surprised the hell out of me. But number one was pretty good also. But those are the best. When what was you number get one, sport, do you remember? It was was it playoffs? Was it Jim Mora playoffs? It was either that or it was the either come after me. I'm forty. Okay. It was either My it was Gundy. one of those two. I'll always know number three because it was the coach that meowed. Oh yeah, well, right. Can never have too much of that, right? Got a couple dogs here. Got a bunch of cats. Meow. You know that one. So, Denny Green also had a great one. If you're gonna crown their asses, crown them. Yeah, that is a good one. I remember that. Now I, I'm sorry. I, I'm going back Wait, to this. Had them where we wanted. Because let them off the hook. Let them power the through this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so come after me. Can you imagine Allen Iverson doing that press conference? He's a Chicago Bull. Uh-huh. Okay. Michael Jordan's in the locker room. It's up on the video thing, and he sees this going on. 
How quickly do you think Mike? Do you think Michael goes right out into the press conference, or do you think he greets him as soon as he crosses back into the locker? room? Oh, he waits until the locker room. He wants that thing behind closed doors. Okay, you know that—that's the thing about Mike is everything was behind closed doors. The stuff that we saw was all the public version of Michael, right? He yeah. wanted everything to be the brand Michael. He wanted it. It's why the the gambling thing became such a big deal because it was the first time that publicly we really had anything that was like, for some people at least. This is a negative. This is a knock. This is something that Mike does that's a vice. Like, how how could he possibly do this? Michael Jordan is supposed to be the pinnacle of everything that is good, and he's got this other thing to, off to the side. I, I can't yeah. believe it. I just thought that that would be interesting, especially on today, the anniversary of that quote itself. I thought it'd be fun to talk about it. So I know right now, speaking of fun to talk about, every night, Ferrario, myself, previously with Stalter, we get texts from Jamie updating us on what he's drinking oh on boy. that given night. Typically, Which it's some... is a lot. It's well, not true. Sorry, Riffs. Not true. Typically, it's some sort of wine. Um, so I think we should check in on him. This comes from CBS 13 News out in Sacramento. There's a headline that I'm pretty sure Jamie must have taken a trip out to Sacramento this week. This headline says, Man climbs under moving big rig, filled with wine, begins to drink from the tank. <laughs> so this gentleman, while underneath the big rig that was filled with wine, decided, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and siphon this wine right out. It'll go straight into the tummy. It's going to get the job done. <laughs> I'm not waiting for this to be packaged and put into a store where I can go buy it. Nope. We're going to get this job done right here and now. It sounds like it was a typo error. You said big rig. Must mm-hmm. have been a V that needed to be there. It was the big riv. <laughs> right? I mean, what could go wrong? Right? I, I like this guy's passion. Okay? I like it. He's going for it. He doesn't care. You know, I don't know if he thought of like how he's going to plug the hole after you drill the hole in there and how much he'd have to drink. But uh, one thing you can't doubt is his passion for red wine. Quote, the individual was able to release the wine from under the tanker and then placed himself underneath the tanker in such a manner. The best way to describe it was like somebody doing snow angel, the officer said afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I don't blame him. So, okay, so you got... The red wine guy. Now, one of the last things I'm going to bring up here is, what do you think of your name, Brandon? Are you happy with your name? That's like, fine. Obviously, we have no say in this, right? Yeah. Ferrari, are you happy with your, your oh, name, yeah. Alex? Okay. I'm happy with Jamie. You know, it is what it is. Our parents did a great job. Now, what would your feelings be if, let's say, your parent tried to name you, oh, I don't know, X symbol A dash one two? Are we in Star Wars or is this in real life? Am I a robot? Okay. Well, close enough. You're Elon Musk's son. Yeah, that's the same thing. And so this this happened where they tried to uh, name the baby. I don't even know what you would, how you would phonetically say it. Okay. Uh, And they tried to put it on the birth certificate, but the Department of Public Health and Vital Records Office of Los Angeles said, no, you can't. Do that interesting really because you're not allowed to have symbols or numbers in a name so now that being said how far off the rails is elon musk here right now well we knew that 
I know, but or come on. Or is he ahead of his time, and that's just what names are going to turn into in 20 years from now? Sounds like he gave birth to a, a, a prisoner <laughs> or maybe, with that kind of... Maybe his son's going to be the first one that he sends to another planet to try and survive, and that's what their names are going to well, become. Well, it's possible, but you actually have to be able to talk to this person. <laughs> I don't know how you'd say that. So uh, California, though, apparently agrees with me that that was ridiculous, and so they uh, said, nope, try Smart. again. I have two names that I would like to name my child. I will go ahead and pass those along to you right now. The first one is Debrickashaw. Debrickashaw Ferguson yeah. is one of the best names to ever come through the NFL. Debrickashaw. I have been nixed on that by I my girlfriend. That, uh, before that even got out, attack, uh, your text line went off on your phone and said, nope. No, Debrickashaw is fantastic. Yeah, that's already been turned down. The other one is Cash. Cash Kylie, I think, is a badass name. We got one part of it. Bad. <laughs> and now, uh, also- well, you could separate the two, couldn't you? They both would work? No. No? No, no, and here's what Some you're going to go names. through. Okay. okay, yeah, I don't think you're. I, first of all, Kara's not going to let that happen. Second of okay. all, well, uh, here's what you're going to got a little say in the Find out as you get to have kids later on, and, sure. and Ferrari, you too. Is every name you come up with, even though you think it's amazing, when you get into your little close group of friends, they're all going to have an opinion on it, and oh, you're yeah. like, <laughs> go fly a kite because yeah, you you're not racing this kid. I am. You can't tell people what the names of your future children are because they will all give you their opinion and shoot it down immediately. Yeah. I just told That's, you, and you guys to shot it down. Well, that was those were pretty I, bad. I, I didn't. Debrickashaw's fantastic. Debrickashaw. I don't know. I Can think you imagine? Kara would be like, go Debrickashaw in the yard, buddy. Someone texted in and said, uh, "I knew a girl named ABC." So once again, not a good choice. No, With Jamie brutal. Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we want to hear from you guys. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, and you can get involved on the mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app, the, the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. What are your lasting memories of the Game 7 double overtime winner that was one year ago today from Pat Maroon? We'll get to some of those next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was one year ago today. If you missed it, if you want to relive it, you can do so tonight right here on 101 ESPN. The Blues run to the cup is coming up tonight, and we will hear that game in its entirety. Pre-game begins at 6, full game. Play-by-play starts at 7 right here on 101 ESPN. Jamie, that was one year ago today. You were, if I remember correctly, in the building for that game. What was that experience like for you? Wow, it was... uh... It was kind of surreal because, you know, looking back on it now... Now it's like, to me right now, it holds more weight even than it did that night. And the reason behind that, and we discussed this in the crossover with Danny Mac, was that the Blues ended up winning the Stanley Cup. And if you don't have Pat Maroon's Game 7 overtime winner, if you don't beat the Dallas Stars, if all these ifs. So the weight of that goal is incredible. And I remember thinking to myself, right away, I can't believe Pat Maroon just scored that goal here in St. Louis. Like, this place is going to become, like, unglued, which it did. And so it was just an amazing goal. I'll never forget it. I know Pat Maroon, Blues fans will never forget it because ultimately it was a Game 7 overtime winner, which Pat Maroon himself said, you know, you dream of scoring the overtime winner in Stanley Cup playoffs when you're in your basement as a kid and, you know, all this stuff. And here it is, hometown 
Our hometown hero, Pat Maroon, puts it in Game 7, double overtime. History is written by the winners, and that's what happened with this game. The Blues were able to write the rest of their history. I mean, if you look back, let's go football comparison for a second, right? Stolzer would be upset with me if I mentioned this, but Julio Jones had an unbelievable sideline catch against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Nobody will ever remember that catch because ultimately it didn't matter Mm -hmm. in that game. If you look at the James Harrison fumble return that he had against the Cardinals, I guess that was like 12 years ago now. That goes down as one of the best defensive plays we've seen in Super Bowl history because they won that game. The David Tyree catch. We all remember the helmet catch mostly because of what happened after that catch because they were ultimately able to win that game. That's how I feel about this goal. If the Blues didn't ultimately go on and do exactly what we saw them do in the Stanley Cup final, we don't remember it the same way. But because they did, now it it goes down as one of the most significant plays in the history of the team. Pat Maroon talked about this after the game. Let's relive a little bit more of this. He said that it was one of the greatest moments of his life. I thought this was a great quote. Can you imagine being Pat Maroon? Okay, never mind. Yeah, he just scored the the double overtime winner, Game 7 in St. Louis. Halfway through the season, he's being healthy scratched. In his hometown. He was almost released. There was talk of putting him on waivers and sending to the minors or somebody claiming him. So imagine being that guy and the emotions that surrounded that moment for Pat Maroon having overcome this, not even a hiccup, this massive speed bump in the road earlier in the season. So yes, the blue season as a whole from last to champion, that tells itself, right? We know we all lived it, but individually for Pat Maroon, bottom, you know, feeling like you're at the bottom of the barrel to now... The Blues cannot go without you. That's how important you are. I remember because I at that point I had already moved to Kansas City. I moved to Kansas City in January when at that point the Blues were at the bottom of the barrel. They were one of the worst teams in the league. They weren't in 30th at that point, but they were pretty close to the bottom. Bennington had just been become kind of the starter-ish thing, and he was starting to kind of get on his run, but nobody really knew what to actually expect out of that. We all thought it was going to fall off eventually. To be able to watch that from afar, I think also had a little bit of a different feel because I wasn't watching the same way that you were at that point. I wasn't watching every single game in the regular season. But then when they got to the playoffs and I'm sitting there, I'm like, the Blues really have a chance. And the first time that I really felt like the Blues could actually win the cup was with this goal. That was the first time that I really allowed myself to kind of suspend all belief and just say, Man, they are legitimately eight wins away from hoisting the cup for the first time in franchise history. So I want to relive this with you guys as well. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. What was that night like for you? Let's start out with Tim. I'm so glad we got to hear that call from Curbs and Joey. And of course, we'll hear it tonight on Play Gloria. But I will never forget standing behind those two. I mean, you could feel the tension in that broadcast booth. And I retweeted the video that we did at the time because we were getting reaction from Curbs and Joey because they were just unbelievable with it. But we're standing behind those two and the tension building up to it. And Curbs has talked to both of us like, hey, look, this could go two different ways. If they win, we need the coverage. We need it good. But if they lose, we have to wrap up the season at this point. And this is double overtime. But when that puck went in, 
Joe, and I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, Joe almost jumped over the broadcast booth. Like, <laughs> he that. lost his mind. <laughs> Curbs is high-fiving everybody, but that call was genuine emotion. You can hear Joey in the back going, it, it, it's in, it's in! And he's trying to, like, not yell over Curbs. And he's watch like, the video, because <laughs> Curbs and Joey do this. They, they put their hands out like, hey, calm down, don't take this too far, but I'll never forget this moment. And I say this all the time. You remember the Stanley Cup final. You'll always remember when they won in Game 7. This, to me, though, is the most memorable moment from that playoff run last year. Because I will never forget who scored in double overtime to send the Blues to the Western Conference final. It's one of those things, too, that that's going to be a call that anybody from St. Louis will remember for the rest of their lives. Oh, absolutely. That call. Like, maybe more so than any other call from the playoff run. You'll remember when Curb says that they ultimately win the cup. But this is the one that had the emotional... Because you're literally at the end. If it goes the other way, as you said... It's over. Yeah, yeah we're not talking about any of this being You're even talking about relevant. another bust. The Nothing. Cinderella story comes to a thudding end the way that we see every year in the NCAA tournament. Eventually, it comes to an end. And for the Blues, it never did. And so that's why that became what it ultimately was, because it allowed that to continue to live. The hope that you were feeling in that moment didn't have to die anymore. Think about the ramifications if you don't win that. Is Craig Berube your still head coach? Does something happen moving forward with this team? Do trades happen because they almost happened before they made that playoff run? How much changes with the Petro conversation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If they don't win the cup last year, and let, let's go down a dark hypothetical. Oh, here we but, go. Here goes BK. Why do you got to do this to us? Oh, we're we're see at the you time. know what? Just table that. We're having positive vibes <laughs> yeah. here, and you want to go in with the what ifs. No, what if nothing? Hey. Hometown hero blew the doors hey, off this Pessimism place. and optimism are both free, BK. Let's go oh, with the pessimist. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. We're going to nix that hypothetical. Don, let's hear from you instead. Man, that well, that's crushing. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm unbelievably sorry for your loss. And I will say this. If your son was a Blues fan, I, I can't imagine a better game to watch. You know, that's that's about as good as they come when it comes to hockey games. And- well, and imagine that that knowledge of that game specifically. Like, you will always remember the fact that you got mm-hmm. to watch that game with your son, which Absolutely. is important. Uh, Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Let's go out to Phil. It is different w- with hockey, and especially a game like that. When you're in that kind of a moment, visually, like, you you want to be there. You want to be able to see it. There's certain games that you'll always remember where you were when you were watching them. This is one of those games. When the Blues win the cup, ultimately, that's one of those games. 2011, you know where you were for game six. Like, there are certain moments where you just, it's like a flash in time for you that will always stick in that memory bank, and this was one of those. I got to say, I got a great one with this, too, because I was doing Cardinals pre and post at the time because there was a Cardinals game going on. And so I'm doing pre and post at Bush Stadium, and I'm keeping track of the game. Game ended, post game ended, once the first overtime started. Guys, I have never run as fast as I did from Bush Stadium to Enterprise Center, and I made it just in time for puck drop in that second overtime. Incredible. I mean, that's I'll never forget running through downtown to try and make it there before something happens, because with overtime, you never know. That's how huge that goal is, guys, is that we've had the interaction on the text line, the mic drops, your personal story, my personal story, your personal story, and none of that exists if the puck doesn't go in. Last mic drop feature, or Rhino Shield mic drop on the 101 ESPN app. This one comes from Dylan. <laughs> I will say this, and I'm not trying to spoil some of the fun. Oh, I, boy. Let's Again? get to this on the other side, actually. Oh. I 
I think that's the most fun you'll ever have as a sports fan. And I think there's a reason why, and I'll explain that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. So we were just talking about the run to the cup and the double overtime winner from Pat Maroon that ultimately sent them to the Western Conference final. I... I think that's the most fun you're ever going to have as a sports fan. And let me explain this, because I, I don't want this to come off as something negative. I actually think it's a positive. The story that that included, from them going to the depths of hell, of being the worst team in the league, and the unexpected run with a goaltender that came out of nowhere, and a hometown hero that was almost cut earlier in the season that ultimately becomes a hometown hero that sends you to the Western Conference Finals, and the coach... That was previously in the the AHL, and ultimately you fire your coach, he becomes the hero for your team. That stuff doesn't happen in sports. The unexpected nature of it, the fact that you were able to go into that postseason with no expectations, and everything is house money, and every round that you continue to advance, you feel like that was already so much more than you ever could have asked for, given where you were on January 1st. That's the kind of thing that makes it fun. When you have expectations going into the postseason, as the Blues have had so many different times in previous years, that's when it starts to feel like a grind. You're like, oh my God, please. And then it becomes a relief when you win. This was sheer joy every time they would advance. And so for me, my memory like that was the 2014 Royals where they were like a terrible team 10 games back and they were right at 500 at the All-Star break and then suddenly they end up in the World Series. Everything felt like it was a surprise. That's what last year's Blues run was like as well. When you sit back and you look at it as a whole, and we're isolating Pat Maroon's Game 7 double overtime winner, which you can hear tonight on 101 ESPN. Play Gloria. Look at um, him. This guy. <laughs> But that's just one moment of it all. And you talked about coming from last place. They fire the coach. They have Craig Berube come in as the interim coach, not even given the actual job, just kind of like a job interview kind of thing. Then you have so many tentacles on this thing. We have the Layla story that starts to develop throughout this entire process. Then you have Gloria. The song now, the anthem that will forever be recognized with the St. Louis Blues' very first Stanley Cup championship. You have the amount of people down by Enterprise Center. Unbelievable. During the playoffs. You have a sold-out Enterprise Center watch party for the finals. You have twenty-five grand in Bush Stadium watching a game in the rain as the Blues win the Stanley Cup. You have Ballpark Village inside where I don't think you could have greased up one more person and slid them in there. They were breaking fire code in Ballpark oh, Village. Trust me, we're the studio, we're down there, yeah. Scotty Warman and I are getting ready to do the post game, and honestly, you couldn't move anywhere. So you have all of these things going on. So no matter what you are as a sports fan, what, what angle you choose to look at this, you have something that you're going to remember so well from this experience. And we had the conversation yesterday of how there's not going to be an athlete that you can do a 10-part series on. There's not a team that can replicate what the Blues did in their run to the Cup. Because as you just pointed out, you know you go back to, to Mike Yo being fired and Baruby taking over, 
But you also go back to Sanford and Bortuzzo fighting on the ice. That was another checkpoint yeah, to this. You're right. The 11-game win streak, that sets a franchise record. And then every step of the way, you can't replicate that. And if there ever will be another 10-part documentary in sports, the Blues team is that team. Because you can... You could do a 20-part documentary on that. I can't believe them. they haven't come out with some kind of a movie about I think it's this. going to. I, I, because, and here's what I thought at first when I, I didn't see one in the works right away. was It's almost so unbelievable that it's unbelievable. You couldn't write this. No, you, can't. you, know you know couldn't say, like, this Hollywood in can't even Hollywood this because it's over the top. If I know John Hamm, John, John Hamm is sitting at home trying to come up with some type of script for this because... This is the ultimate sports movie, right? The other thing is it would have to be too long because there's too many different yeah. angles that you'd have to take. Like It would have to be a 10-part documentary. I don't, I don't know if we get to 10. Oh, I think you could. But I think for sure you get to five or six yeah. on it, right? Because depending on whatever the situation, I mean, it's the St. Louis Blues, not Michael Jordan, right? So if we even go at half, at five episodes... In this documentary slash movie, let's do this for a second. So, what what are the angles that you'd have to take? Because well, one of them is the history of the Blues failing in the postseason. Well, yeah, you yeah, got to bring that part. up. I appreciate yeah. that, BK. Okay, Mr. Positivity <laughs> over here. That's what made it so exciting. <laughs> well, look, well, let's go positive, boys. Those great teams you're on and you lost. <laughs> but honest, let's talk about that. <laughs> Honestly, though, that's I think your first episode. Your first episode is looking at the success and just kind of the the missteps of the Blues team up to the point and then the off season because that's that's one episode right there of you making... almost have to start with Hitch. Do you know that? Like you almost have to go back that far yeah. because Hitch brought in Mike Yo with the coach and waiting. Yeah. So you almost point. have to go back that far and Hitch and Army, I'm sorry, they changed the culture here. Oh, without question. They did and it it shifted and so you almost have to go all the way back to Hitch and then the coach and waiting and then Bruby's coaching your American League team. Like yeah, you don't want to dwell like two episodes on it, but you got. I think it, you got to get the backstory for people who maybe don't know anything about hockey. And then the second, I mean, the the next episode is that off season because yep. everybody in the NHL and there's document there's there's documents of analysts experts saying this team is going to be the best team in the Western Conference because of the O'Reilly trade, because of the signing of Tyler Bozak, Pat Maroon, and at the time Craig Johnson. That Craig Johnson, that's his name, right? Who am I thinking of? Uh, the goaltender. Oh, uh, Johnson. Chad, Chad, Chad Johnson. Johnson. Chad. Thank you. Sorry, like, Chad. Craig Johnson. I mean, I played with yeah, Johnny you know, back play. in the 90s. Sorry, Chad. I but, don't think he's coming back. But that's an episode in itself, too, of all of the hype of that team in the offseason. Yeah, I agree. And I think that if you're diving into it, you got to dive into Ryan O'Reilly, right? Mm-hmm. You yep. give the backstory there. You yep. go back to his comments to the press about not having fun playing the game right. anymore. Then he comes to St. Louis, and he's your hardest working guy. You can't get him off the ice. And then your first season. Or the and first then Bennington. Bennington. Like Bennington has to have essentially, and then you could look back at the Blues yep. goaltending situations in general over yep. the years and the roller coaster that that's been, and that could be basically an episode in and of itself. Hell, Baruby, we kind of just threw that one out there. That's an episode in he itself. He could literally be an episode on oh, this yeah. uh, on this documentary. David Perron coming back yeah. for like what the ninety seventh time. I'm the only you, team he's ever signed with you, is in St. Louis. You, like, you you say it's going to be tough, but I don't think it is tough for a ten parts. I mean, there's well, I think so it many. Is. Back- Okay. Stories. And the only reason I think it is, and I love, uh, listen, I would watch a 20-part series. You know that. So, But I think that our text line brings up a couple of good things here, too, uh, as far as you have to think nationwide or even worldwide, if people are watching this, how much do they actually care about the Blues, right? So This that, would have to be a Fox Sports Midwest type of series have, yeah, okay. instead of a nationwide thing. But I do think it could have a, a, a nationwide appeal sure. to it, but I think you'd have to make sure you're... 
going into the details and play into things that everybody knows about, right? Like you can't just go so dive so deep into yeah. the weeds that your common guys like this is I don't understand who this guy well, I don't understand this. Or yeah, why you can't he matters. Go, you can't go back in blues history of a documentary because that's locally, but what you can do is that national perspective because once you hit the playoffs, I mean Ribs, you know this better than anybody. We were talking to everybody in every state and in, in, in a couple of different countries about this. I mean I, I remember having conversations with people over in Sweden because of the connections to the St. Louis Blues. So mm-hmm. there was there was a lot of different tea leaves of people that were interested in what the Blues did. But yeah, you got to do the sports angle before you can do the, the St. Louis angle. Yeah, you got to hit the headlines, right, to get people's interest. And then you can dive into the weeds a little bit on some of it because you're going to have your true passionate Blues fan that's going to be like, I don't want a fluff piece. I want to know what's going on. And the Blues to their credit, did a fantastic job of bringing the cameras yes. behind the scenes. Like, I had never seen that from the Blues before to where we got the camera in the locker room after wins, after losses. Craig Berube talking about Carl Gunnarsson peeing next to him before the yeah. Like, all this stuff that happens, I think that translates to a really good, you know, not 30 for 30, but, you know, maybe a couple episodes There's of this, there. this team that overcame all this stuff. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Uh, from the 314, have the Jets, Stars, Sharks, and Bruins players on the episodes as well, giving their perspectives. Indeed. That would be really interesting. I would love to know at what point did these teams that they were going up against say to themselves, at some point you just have to look at it and say that's a team of destiny. Well, it's interesting because tonight on Play Gloria, I talked with Mike Heika, who covers the Dallas Stars for their website, yeah. And, you know, we're doing this on every episode that the, the series starts of getting the other team's perspective. And Mike Heike, and I don't want to give it away, you'll have to listen tonight, but Mike Heike talks about how broken the Dallas Stars were after Game 7. And if you look at kind of where they are now, kind of makes sense of what happened to their team, how they had to retool to try and defeat. So each team's perspective of what the Blues did to their franchise moving forward, I think would be a phenomenal piece to find that side of it out. I think, too, it would be interesting, especially from a local standpoint. And I think it would be interesting, even on a nat- national viewpoint, is the comments and the feelings of both Pat Maroon after this goal and then Ben Bishop, who is grew up knowing each other, St. Louis boys, all this stuff. And now let's find out how each of these guys feels about this mm-hmm. situation and about the other guy in that situation. I Can can I address the text line, too, because someone just said the St. Louis Blues-Stanley Cup run is not on par with. I never said it was on par with the Michael Jordan final season. Oh, no, season. you did. No. You did. I Come heard on you. Now. Yeah, you got him, Come text on line. now. Yeah, you, you caught me. The, the, the next best thing to Michael Jordan's final season is the Blues run. But what I'm saying is it's one of the only other events that you can put together a 10-part series and legitimately. Well, they can call us, okay? We've got lots of ideas. Yeah. John Ham, Hammer, I know you're listening right now on the 101 app. Give me a call Let's later. Get him we'll on talk tomorrow. about it. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Buster Olney just tweeted something I think is going to have a lot of Cardinals fans buzzing moving forward. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. So Buster only just tweeted this. I want to get your reaction to this. Text line 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Buster says, at least one MLB ownership group has instructed its front office to cut its payroll for 2021. A lot of club execs expect others to follow. The youngest players and the players with the existing long-term deals won't necessarily be affected 
but it sounds like this is going to be something that is going to be impacting teams moving forward. I want to get your reaction to this, Ribs, because we've talked about this a lot. The guys that are making a lot of money right now, they might be offloaded in the offseason because of the shortfall in revenue compared to what teams were expecting. I don't think this is going to have a massive effect on the Cardinals. But I do think a team like the Rockies, for instance, somebody that makes $30 million a year like Nolan Arenado, you might be even more motivated to move that kind of a contract. Or if you've got somebody that's going to be coming up for a free agent deal, Francisco Lindor maybe with the Indians, maybe that's a guy that instead of waiting even further and pressing your luck on being able to re-sign him, you say, you know what, let's get this trade in, we'll get a young guy in here, he'll be cost-controlled, we get Francisco out of the door, and we move forward. I'm going to be really interested to see how many clubs ultimately go this path as opposed to just kind of standing pat and trying to ride through this thing. Okay, so for me, it depends on how quickly they can get back to somewhat normal, right? Like we're talking about the possibility of the players going back into a training camp soon, and we're talking about the actual actually having a baseball season. Um, and I think that if they can do that, it will certainly it will mitigate some of the problems with the money that's being shelled out right now. So uh, to me, it depends on getting back to playing baseball and how many games they can get and how they get creative to make dollars. Because if you don't have the attendance money, which we know is not the ultimate, you know, not the biggest piece of the pie for the teams, but it still is a nice piece of the pie to have. Um, you know, if this had continued, okay, let's say it doesn't ever come to fruition, then I do think owners are going to, I don't want to sell off their assets, but it's going to come to a point where some of the owners that don't have the big deep pockets, there's some big players that are going to get moved because they can't afford to have them anymore. And so to me, the quicker they can get back on the field and playing and start generating some kind of revenue, it will slow down this process. I, was, I wonder if this changes outlooks from general managers when they do hit the field of how much they value prospects. They'll be valued more. I, I can tell you every team it's in the league. trending that way anyways, yeah. right? Like but every I wonder if it trending. takes that jump even further. Of yeah. Guys aren't even pulling off trades anymore because they know that they need to keep the youth. There will still be teams that value the good players. Like, like just the... the the certainty of knowing I've got whoever, uh, whether it's Mike Trout, for instance, like the certainty of knowing I've got Francisco and Lindor in my lineup every day. Yeah. And yes, that's worth $25 million a year to me. Let, let's look at this from a pure numbers perspective for a minute. Baseball is a $10 billion, with a B, dollar a year sport. They get roughly $100 million per team. This is the reports that are out there. For what we've already missed, the first 60 or so games of the season, that's $3.2 billion or $3 billion that they have already lost out on to start the season. So you're down to $7 billion a year that you're going to be making. I don't care what business you are. I don't care what line of work you're in. If you are $3 billion, 30% short on your revenues for the year, it's going to change the way that you operate. And so for some teams, they will be less affected by this, less affected. Every team will have some sort of effect by this, though. And so if you're a team like the Yankees that has deep pockets, maybe it creates an even bigger um, reason why you go out and acquire these big-time, big-money deals. Maybe if you're the Dodgers, you say to yourself, We've got deep pockets, man. We can go afford these guys, even though that it's not necessarily the deal that we would want to sign them to. 
I'm going to be really interested where the Cardinals stand on that because they get a significant portion of their revenue every year by you, the listener, you, the fan, going out there 40,000 people strong for each and every game. It does hurt them that Ballpark Village is not up and running right now. It does hurt them that they're not getting any of that parking going on. It does hurt them that 40,000 people aren't going down there to drink their beer and eat their popcorn and sit in those stands every single night for the first 60 games of the season. That's going to hurt. I don't know how much. I don't know what it means for the payroll moving forward, but it's going to have some sort of effect on this team. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, to your point, Alex, earlier is how are we going to – how is the ownership – and baseball operations going to direct their general managers or their managers. How are we going to change here? Because we're no longer operating of a, yeah, let's go win baseball games. Now we're, yes, we want to win baseball games, but hey, the well is kind of dry over here financially. So now we have to figure out a way to stay competitive, to stay relevant, to keep our fan base, but we've lost a bunch of money and we have to kind of trim the fat a little bit here. It's going to be interesting to see how the GMs and the baseball ops guys go about keeping competitive teams because the Cardinals got to stay competitive. Yep. They got to stay competitive. If they don't, they will get torched here in St. Louis. And so that to me is the interesting perspective on this is how do they do that? Cut costs and stay competitive. I know they have a young team. I know they got a lot of young guys with, with great potential. So that's a bonus for the Cardinals because they are actually developing their talent rather than buying their talent. But still, it's going to be interesting for me to see how they handle that it's moving tight forward. tight needle the thread. It's going to be difficult for every team, especially the Cardinals, because you do have a guy like Paul Goldschmidt on a long-term big money deal. You have a guy like Jack Flaherty coming up in a few years, and maybe you're now starting to plan for that, saying to yourself, Whew, we want to keep that guy in St. Louis. We know it's going to be a big money deal. Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. We don't know how we can have, let's say, if you get Nolan Arenado, we don't know how we can have Nolan Arenado plus Paul Goldschmidt and then also be able to re-sign Jack Flaherty to this long-term extension that we want. Maybe it prevents them from going and making that move. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, I'm being honest when I say I don't know the answers to these questions, but it's going to be questions that they're discussing whenever it's John Mosellock and Bill DeWitt in a room and they're having an honest conversation about what the future of this organization looks like. I think that makes the offseason look different too. I think that makes free agency look different because look, the players aren't going to take a step back in terms of how much they feel like they deserve financially because the ownership, like this is going to be the conversation and it's the same thing that's going to happen in hockey. Like players know that there's going to be a major hit towards the Major League Baseball in a whole, whether it be the escrow, the players union. It's not going to be like, okay, well, we got to pay you less because we're not making as much. Players are still going to want what they're going to want, which I think is going to make some type of, hey, you might get to a salary cap situation in, in well, baseball. Well, that's what I was going to ask both of you, and it came up on the text line here as well from the 636. Do you think this might force baseball to have a salary cap? I do. I, I can't believe they don't currently. I know they have the luxury tax, and look, I get it's it. like right? basketball. But at the end of the day... Like, why would they not have a salary cap? Because of the Players it. Association. The Players Association doesn't want them to have a salary cap. Well, no because, kidding. We didn't either. Sure, but the Players Association <laughs> is, is, is super powerful in Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's the most powerful MLB. It's the most powerful Players Association in sports. So when you have that, you can continue fighting for it. I would wonder, if you're the MLBPA... Do you say, you know what, it actually might be better for us to argue for a salary cap right now because at least then it drives in a certain percentage of the revenues that are coming our way in a guaranteed way? I think this creates a lot of conversations, and it's going to be what does the 
the league and the players association conversations look like the nhl is already in the midst of one of those baseball's in the midst of one of those nfl just completed that but i think these conversations aren't going to be as friendly as we think they're going to be once sports start back so we got a text here and i want to address this okay okay uh, it's from the 314 and it says believe me since the cardinals got this revenue and contracts coming from tv i don't believe the cardinals really care what the fans think about how the team is put together I believe that they're going to put they're putting profit over quality of team. I couldn't disagree more right now. I really couldn't because I just used the Cardinals as an example of developing some young talent and they've got a lot of good young talent currently on the on the major league roster and they have talent coming up in the pipeline. Dylan Carlson alone is worth, you know, checking in on that and, and looking at how that's going to go. So and I, you know what? I've had great conversations with Bill Dewitt III. He's a hockey guy, skates yep. with us, with Tom Stillman, and we do we get together. These guys care. They really do. Now, some of the things you may not agree with, but some of the things you may not understand either or why they're doing it to save money here or save money there. I'm sorry, but as a Cardinals fan, you got nothing to whine about and just zip it. Be- <laughs> no, seriously, zip it because they are consistently in the conversation year after year after year after year as a great franchise. I'm not a homer. I'm not even from St. Louis. <laughs> but I think they run a great team, and I appreciate what they do. One thing people have to remember is that as much as we don't treat them necessarily as a business, typically, sports are a business. The Cardinals well, yeah, you're are gonna go to your business. office and tell you you're allowed. Go, go lose money. All I right. want to spend your money well, for the, you. Well, now both of you guys just sound like you're wearing John Mozeliak's bow tie. No, okay. I'm not. Well. I'm getting mad around here. I'm going to break something. Or Shaq's face. No, I'm not. Shaq's face. <laughs> Mike Tyson, maybe. Mike Tyson. He's Put Jamie Rivers. Case, Mike. He's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. That's Alex Ferrario. It is Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're crossing things over with the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalzer's in studio now dancing. I This is why I picked this music, just to see who dances. Yeah, well, oh, I'm going to dance found all out. Of it. You guys well, find yourself doing the robot? Anytime you start dancing, because nope. I do. Nope. Like, I immediately just I'm go like to Hitch. the white man right right here. Here. So, Okay, so two. Yeah, great topic. So what's your go-to at the weddings, right? Because never mind the bar and all that stuff, because, you know, but at the weddings, right. like, you guys know as well as I do, the dance floor, like, you're 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 creating a scouting report. As you're sitting there, you're watching people dance, and like, oh, there's Aunt Patty over there. <laughs> Is she listening to a different song? You know, like, you've created this, like, scouting report. What's your is is the robot your go to? Yeah, but then I realized that uh, the robot doesn't play anymore. Believe it or no, not, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so what I usually it took you that do that long to realize? <laughs> Did it? Ever? I like I like that. So I how like old were robot. you when you started doing the robot? Like what 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 hmm. time in your life was? Well, that? that's not fair because he was born at thirty five. Uh, true, about thirty five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't put a, a time timeline on the robot dance. But I tell you what, I wind up doing after. Uh, uh, a couple of whiskeys. I usually grab a chair. No. Yes. What? You're not the chair dance guy. I'm oh. the chair dance guy. Oh, wow. I didn't, chair. That. I didn't see that coming. I'll like, drag you, it out there, and now I'm like, you know, throwing the leg over the chair. So you're like flash dance. Basically. Why, why are you? Why is that your what? go-to? A lot of people like it. That's kind uh, of. I, I don't false. think that's true. I would like, like to it. talk to five people that like it. That's not your wife. I'm I'm feeling a lot of judgment right his, now. His wife. And his wife doesn't like that. None of you You're have in seen a safe it. zone. Okay. Thank There's you, no Jamie. judging here. Uh, yeah. Trust me. There's no judging. But I am worried 
that the chair might mess up Aunt Patty's stride as she's running through there doing her thing, mm-hmm. or she's trying to get the, you know, the locomotion going, and all of a sudden you're there dragging a chair out. Yeah, I do see it being a bit of a problem. Aunt Patty, Aunt uh, Patty, is it Patty? Sure, Patty. Yeah. Aunt uh, Patty's got a. Got to get out the way. Just got to move, Patty. Exactly. Get out the way. Do you use the oh, chair yeah. as a bulldozer? No, just no, no, no. Knock no. people over? No, no. Are you no, just no. like on the edge of the dance floor at this point? Or you in the chair? Chair? Middle. Do you put somebody in the middle? in the chair and like give them a private no. stalter lap dance? No, it's just me in the chair. Just you in the, the chair. The it's not chair. as exciting. You gotta see it. See, I like right? it, but it's not as exciting. Rivs, you got to understand where Stalter's coming from there. The chair, he's doing it with an empty chair so that everybody can envision themselves in the chair. So basically, he can't get a dance partner. Yeah, that, that's, I, this is what I'm really learning here. I mean, I, did I mention the whiskey? You did, and that's fine, but yeah. usually somebody else is drinking whiskey at least enough at to the, dance with you. Uh, at a wedding whiskey? Actually, a lot of the times, for some reason, I go gin and tonic for, that's what for I a do. wedding. Always. I don't know why. Gin and tonic? Yeah. Why it's is the that a only, wedding thing for you? I don't know. It's the only time I go hmm. with, with a gin and tonic. It's I go like, gin and soda with a lime, so that way the hangover's a little less terrible the next day. <laughs> There's just a little up. less terrible. I go smash and grab, like whatever they've got going on, I'm right. just drinking it. So we go wine with dinner. I'll start out with beer when you get there. A little oh, bit. God, the hangovers from the that beer, night must then be the atrocious. Wine, then I'll go to the whiskey, and then if someone, Aunt Patty's doing shots yeah, over in the corner, right. I'm all in. If you're if you're in the wedding, I mean, oh, yeah. forget Oh, it's game it. over. It's, it's, it's yeah. free ball. It's straight up. What? It's free ball. Whoa. Oh. Free ball? No. Free ball? Nobody uses that? I've never drank that well, yet. I think we've, well, I think free ball... Is a thing, but well, I don't know if you're using it, it correctly. Well, if, if, you, if you're you just on my side of the wedding party, you're you're using it correctly. You wow. can't pluralize it. That's all. Stop. Yeah, no, yeah, you can't plural. Ah. It's plural itself. Yeah, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Sure, it is. It's like full. Well, okay. Feet. So what what do you guys do then? What's your go-to? Uh, mine is, of course, I've had a couple of cocktails at this point. Naturally. And this used to be my move. Like no matter where the wedding, it's uh, you know maybe frowned upon a little bit, but. Uh, I'll go in. I call it the romp shaker. The romp shaker. The romp shaker. That's so Canadian. It's not really... Well, there was a song, right? The romp shaker way back in the day. And it's not so much that it's a solo move, right? Like, it's not one of those ones where you're like out there and like, oh, yeah, eyes are on me because this move is pretty sick. No, (laughs) it's not that one. It's... I feel like I... It's my job to drag in the audience to the dance floor. Like, I want everybody to have as much fun as I'm having in my brain. Of course. And so I go over... And I'll just kind of back up, like doing a little bit of like a dance vibe, back up, walk, and then just start to rump shake on them. Like, you know, just give a little rump shake and they right. kind of Just a little booty. And then booty you go, popping. Hey, you know, just you a little booty. Mess up. Then you well, you give them the, hey, watch this. Walk over to the next one. Be like, little rump shaker up again. And all of a sudden you get people, everybody's a little rump shaker in there, you know? Now you got to be self-aware. That's a self-aware dance. Because if somebody's not feeling the rump shaker at that point... You got to know to back off. You got to read the room. Yeah, you yeah, the room. No, you get at the wedding, it's fine. They're fine. They just oh. give they just give you the look, and then I'm like, okay, I got you, and you just move on. Keep the feet moving. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, I, yeah, I didn't say I stay there and rump shake like for right. an hour. It's not a lap dance. Right. It's a quick rump shake. Keep Anthony's the feet doing. moving. Move on to the next one. <laughs> Anthony's lap Understood. dancing. My go-to is right here. Just staying at one and two, and then later on when the gin and tonic obviously hits, mm-hmm. that's when you go to the stanky leg. The stanky oh, leg comes out around midnight. Stanky leg. That's that's okay. the go-to. That's why I asked when Speak when you yourself. started doing when you started doing the robot because I think we're all going back to our high school days here. 
I'm going to power right yeah. through what he just said. Right. <laughs> See? See, Barnes is over here saying, you know what? You got to get the stanky leg. Out. I don't know what the stanky leg is. <laughs> oh, the stanky leg where you just get it going a little bit. You basically have a circle rotation with your leg. It's the widest thing I've ever said in my life, but uh, that's okay, kind of what you so go with there. BK, you're essentially saying... Yeah, I just don't want to be noticed, or I don't want to be talked about in the morning. Oh, for, I mean, obviously, but I mean, I don't well, think you're getting the booty talked about. Jamie with that. and I are saying the stanky you know leg what? is a dance. People are going to know. Our text People line knows know. this. Six five seven eight zero is the air cover service text line. They know what the stanky leg is. There's yeah, a but, song that you do the stanky leg too. There's a it's a dance move. Never heard of it. Terrible song too. Like oh, it's, 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 it's literally song. just it's the, the same yeah. lyric over and over and over. It's the only one though. I'd be looking for like crutch. Is that man okay? Let's help him. Looks like he just blew out his What happened to his leg? Is he a runner? What happened to his leg? I am actually, right. and I do have a bad knee, so oh, wow. maybe that explains it. Maybe that's why you're bad at yoga. Hmm? Oh, what happened? Are you still doing yoga? Adrian kicked my ass last night. Absolutely killed me last night. Did she bring out the so stanky t- leg? Not, not, not Man, yet. Come that's on. that's probably classy. like day twenty-five of this thing. We're on we're on day nineteen today. Um, so tonight I saw in the video that it's they've got the preview right she's gonna attempt to have me do basically like a half handstand where i put my knees on my elbow and my head is on the ground so you're basically like turned over i it's not gonna happen it's not gonna be good <laughs> i'm not looking forward to it so i might die tonight and jamie's going solo tomorrow what's coming right, up on the fast lane it's about time <laughs> sorry wow i, I would just like you to uh check out the text line as well they are all with me on the stanky no leg. they're not no, no they, they really are. are the same the text, text line, line has up. never been with you. <laughs> Stinky leg, it's classic. Kylie, I'm 29. I'm with you, dude. They're all with me. Oh, it's Stinky a millennial thing. It's rough. It's a millennial okay. thing. All right, Anyways, listen. all right, we're going to talk about the Major League Baseball plan to return. I guess that Trevor Plouffe wasn't uh, as drunk as some people were talking about. Huh? So we'll start with that, and we'll get into, I don't know, all kinds of stuff in the fast lane, which is coming at you now. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN.